Hello there, um, this is Liam Koji, and I just want to sort of update this because we talk about it being the end of Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, this was recorded back in, I believe, September um, or October, and literally like right after I had my PTSD sort of acted up and I also ended up getting like super depressed because of some other things going on in my life so fairly appropriate but um please enjoy this uh very delayed episode of koji with my friend alex hey there welcome back to koji um i am your host liam koji and i am here with my friend alex hello um and we're going to be talking about mental health because it's mental health awareness week or the last day by the time this goes up. Um, and we've talked a lot about, actually, like, both of our mental health journeys. And, like, this isn't meant to be, like, telling you what to do or, you know, everybody's journey is different, but just thought it would be a good idea to share both of ours. Of course, yeah. Especially your fun little experiences with uh, group therapy. <laughs> I've had I've had tons of fun experiences of a group therapy. Sometimes I feel like my face gives it away. Um, <laughs> it, it, and I don't mean to diminish anyone's experience. It's just you know, I'm surrounded in, in, in a group full of white gays. And then sometimes I'm just like, really? <laughs> yeah, because like your experience as a person of color within the community is completely different than my experience as somebody who is the color white, like literal color white. <laughs> Um, yeah um but i mean i enjoy group therapy i think i just need to switch up the people that i'm in group therapy with um i think it's hard for them to understand me and while i i I, I understand them it's hard that it's hard to know that they i'm not understood or i'm not heard because you know the issues that i bring up sometimes they have a hard time hearing and well, like, kind. Yeah. I mean, sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. Um, but, uh, you know, you're, you understand where they're coming from because you're forced to understand where they're coming from. Exactly. They've never had to try to understand where anybody that's not white, they've never had like understanding where they're coming from. Yeah. And I think for me, when, I mean, the, the reason I started, uh, group therapy was because it was recommended by my therapist because he felt that I had some things that I could work out. I mean, the reason I joined therapy, just a little backstory is I was in a relationship that, as you know, because we've talked about it, uh, (laughs) I was not really happy and I was trying to make this relationship work. And I tried, I I like tried to throw everything at it and it wasn't sticking so my ex was my my ex now at the time told me he's like i think there's some he essentially said i think there's a mental block within you so you should probably seek therapy because essentially it made me feel like i was the reason why this relationship was no longer working and in order for me yeah in order for me to what's the word to try to make it work because I was like, well, I've already given three years of my life to this person. I want to make it work. I want us to work. So I'm like, I'm, if this is the final step I have to take to try to figure out why 
I'm not giving in to essentially what he what his demands were. Like, why was it so hard for me to just do something that he told me? You know, because that was you, essentially the issue that we were having. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, he wanted you to move out to Jersey, didn't he? He wanted me to move to Jersey with him, as, or eventually. He didn't want to move to New York, and he was like, "Well, we can find a middle ground. You can move to Jersey City." And I was, no, nope. not. Uh-huh. I nope. was like, "Nope, exactly, <laughs> exactly." And then I also he wanted me to get a license, and I didn't feel like I needed one because of the fact that I lived in New York. And he would constantly throw certain things in my face, like, "Well, I don't want to be driving you around. I don't want to be the one always picking up after you." Like in terms of like monetary things and i was like you don't pay for me so what are you talking about and so he said that he's like every time i tell you to do something you don't listen or you don't want to do it but when you ask me to do something i always do it and i always said well there's a difference between you asking me to do something that is not like it's like for me i don't want to do it because i don't it doesn't serve me any purpose it's just a waste of my uh, of money and time he didn't see it that way he 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 was like well, if you don't do this, and that means that you're not going to want to move with me next, move in with me next year, or if I if I want to if I ever want to move out of you know the New York area, you're not going to you're not going to want to come with me. In my head, I was like, well, no, yeah. I don't want to move out of New York. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, but it felt like every time I gave him something, there was always something new that I would have to give up again. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, and a far more toxic way that was like what my relationship was like as well yeah. where like he expected me to make all the changes to my life and no matter how much I how many like edits I made to my own life like it was never enough I had to act a different way and then he would accuse me of forcing him to act a certain way and I'm like all I'm asking you is like to be open so that I can explore my other interests that you don't necessarily feel like sexually like you know yeah it doesn't mean our sex is bad it was bad, but that doesn't necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, we, as I told you in the past, when we had conversations, him and I pretty much gave up on the sexual aspect of it. You yeah. know, so that was another component to it. I, I mean, honestly, like you, you wanted different things out of, out of life and that's valid. Mm-hmm. And you're your friends now. And like, that makes perfect sense to me. That's how, you know, Prior to this last relationship, that's how all of my other sort of, like, romantic situations ended. It was, like, either we weren't, like, super compatible romantically, but, you know, still friends outside of that, or, like, we wanted different things out of a relationship and we wanted different things out of life. But, you know, I'm friends or friendly with everybody I've ever dated except for Drew. Yeah, I mean, I I'm friendly with my ex now. Like we're we're trying to get to a path of friendship, but for this, you know, the the la- the past year up until when we ended things around March. Well, we didn't. We took a break, but it was more so of us trying to figure out if we wanted to stay in it. And so he before we took that break, he said you should go to therapy to see what those mental blocks are because it, there's something that's like I'm trying to get through and I can't. And in my head, I was like, I started to believe it, right? I said, well, maybe there is something wrong with me. Why can't I be like everyone else that or every gay relationship that I see? Not necessarily like open relationship, but just in, ter- in terms of how I see other gays and relationships be. 
oh, I moved for my boyfriend or I did this for my boyfriend or we're doing this together. And I started to feel the opposite where I was like, I want to just be with my friends. I want to just hang out with my friends. I enjoy my time with my friends. Uh, I started to do more things for myself and I started to kind of, it's almost like I started to realize the type of person that I was wanting to be and that wasn't mixing well with him but because I wanted to make it work with him I was like you said earlier I was editing myself so much I wasn't doing certain things that I enjoyed doing every time I wanted to go on a trip with a friend I felt like I had to ask for permission (laughs) like you know what I mean just because it was like it's part of being a couple like why would you go and everyone would say well why would you go out without him and I'm like but why do we have to do everything together you know so yeah Honestly, like, you don't go out with him all the time because you're not codependent. Yes. That's called codependency, and that is not healthy. Exactly. And I think that he wanted me to be to a point, right? I think he has this idea of what a relationship was supposed to be like. And I and I should have known this, like, the, after the first year, but I, I was in love. So <laughs> I, I, I didn't really recognize what it was. And he had this like Disney like channel or or Disney movie type of idea of what a relationship should be like happily ever after. We date, we move in together after two years, uh, we buy a house, we get married, maybe have kids. And I know, I and the entire time I'm thinking, I don't know if I want that, but that or do nightmare. I want it? Exactly. <laughs> and in my head, I was like, Am I crazy? Because all this entire I, I had been single for so long that here was this guy who loved me and who wanted to be in a relationship with me and it and I and I was like and this is why I started to doubt myself I'm like is is there something wrong with me that at the fact that he wants all of this this is what I thought relationships were supposed to be like and I'm I see myself pulling away from it so I was like maybe there is a mental block because every time we would argue it would be about the future He's like, well, I don't trust that you're going to want to move in with me in a year or two. I don't trust. And you're like, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. And, but I didn't know that it's not what I wanted. Right. I thought that I was like, well, no, I love you. So I should want this. But there was something in my head that wasn't connecting. And I was really struggling as you saw me. I mean, the the first time we met, uh, we went out and I I remember telling you about it and I was miserable. (laughs) You were. I was, I was miserable because I didn't know what this, what it was, but I also hadn't sought, like, hadn't seeked out help to f- try to figure out what it was, because I was like, I'm fine, I'm pretty well rounded, I know how to communicate well, I know how to think logically versus emotionally, and so I'm the logical one. He's more the emotional one. I don't know how to handle his emotional aspects, so I'm, you know, so that created tension as well. And then when I finally decided to take the leap, because my friends were like, Alex, maybe you should try therapy. You know, I, I, I had to get different opinions. So I started going to therapy and it really, really, I mean, it really put things into perspective for me. Yeah. But my, my mental health was suffering for like the last year and some. It was bad. You were, <laughs> I know. You are significantly happier now than when we met. Like yeah. significantly happier. Yeah. You're a far more, like, fulfilled person now. Yeah. And obviously there are, you know, when we first broke up, 
there were times where I missed him. And I, I remember like telling you, I was like, I miss him. Like I'm still talking to him. And you were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but I think had we not taken that break, um, you know, that break really helped. Yeah. I, I mean, it was awful. That break was awful just because I, I didn't know how to act without him. Yeah. And like also, but the break was also kind of a good idea because it made sure had you just kept going and then had that blow up, you wouldn't have been able to maintain that friendship with him afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so for me, yeah, that break was everything. I I took my time. Obviously, there are times where I wanted to text him, but I said, no, we're not texting each other. We're not communicating. And we didn't for th- three months. We didn't communicate at all. We literally stuck to it. And I think that's when I started to realize, I think, you know, I, I kept going back and forth, right? And that's where my that's when my mental health was suffering the worst because I was going to therapy, my therapist recommended group therapy, and you know, group therapy, we started talking about relationships and I was like, Okay, great, this is great. I wanna know more about everybody's different relationship style and, and what they've gone through, who they've broken up with, how they broke up. Cause I was lost. I was like, I've never broken up with someone. This was my first boyfriend. Never <laughs> broken up with anyone. I didn't know, I didn't have the tools to know how to do it. And, um, you know, group therapy helped to an extent. And then, you know, then it, then it became all about the white gay show. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I had to take a step back. <laughs> uh, I remember we were talking about relationships and then this, and then I was saying, you know, I'm still a little traumatized about certain things about how to proceed. And then this YK, I won't name him in case he ever reads, he ever sees this, but. Is it the one who ignored like, yeah, you at like, brunch? No, this is another one. <laughs> I've, I've been ignored <laughs> by so many of them. I can't even, I can't even keep track. But I remember him saying like, we were talking about relationships and then somehow it led into body dysmorphia. And, every, and my therapist was like, Alex, how do you feel about body dysmorphia? And I'm like, uh, I don't have any issues for the most part there. I was like, you know, everyone has a certain level of body dysmorphia, but I was like, I kind of want to go back to the relationship thing. Like, I kind of want to keep talking about that. And then he's like, no, no, we're going to move on to body dysmorphia. And I was like, all right, I guess. And and I was like, well, body dysmorphia as a person of color, not being a person of color and maybe not being ripped or looking a certain way. I was like, that, that does things to you depending on your age. But I was like, as a 35-year-old, I feel a little bit different now. And then I remember this guy going, yeah, he's like, I have it so bad. He's like, one time, you know, I had a grinder hookup and I left the door open and the guy came in and then he looked at me and he goes, I don't think this is going to work. And then he walked out. He's like, I've never felt so embarrassed. And I go, no, I was like, no, I get it. I've been there. But then I looked at the guy and I was like, okay, this guy's gorgeous. So like, I get it. But also at the same time, like, I, I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just because I, mean, I, I thought about all the experiences that I've had when I've had that happen to me, and it wasn't because of how I looked. Oh, well, it was because I had, like, it was because I was brown, you know? And, yeah. And, you, and I've had guys be like, oh, you looked lighter in your pictures. And I go, what's the flash? Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't <laughs> under, like, I, I've had guys tell me, you know, where does your tan come from? And I go, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, your tan, like, the color of your skin, where does it come from? And I'm like, the sun? I'm like, and I'm like, are you asking me what my ethnicity is? Or are you asking me, like, if I tan? I'm from California, so, of course, we're darker because we, you know, the Speak sun. Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, right, I should, I should, I should. I should. Uh, but, 
you know, aside from the fact that sometimes therapy, group therapy can be a lot just because you only have an hour and everyone wants to have chime in and, and, and give their perspective. Um, I was looking for it as a way for it to be more of like a group therapy that helped me with what I was going through in my relationship. And it kind of turned into other things, but it really did help me. But that's, you know, when you're in it, you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're like, is this ever going to go away? I know. You know, and I don't know if you have the same. I mean, I'm sure you have the same experience when it came to like going through a breakup and and how that feels, especially after not not, not having that person anymore. You're like, I'm a little bit more different. A little different. <laughs> it was it was easy to leave that relationship behind once I was out of it. Yeah. So like you took one on your break around the same time that I broke up with Drew initially, mm-hmm. and then we both had our final breakups around the same time. We did. We did, because um, I remember we, we were texting about it, yeah. Kind of. Because, I mean, officially, Drew and I broke up at the beginning of July. But, like, mm-hmm. I was over it after. Yeah. So, that was, like, a premeditated thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I knew I wasn't going to be safe, like, breaking up with him while I was in L.A. So, I was like, you're up in a couple weeks. I know how to sort of manipulate him into breaking up with me. Makes it his mm-hmm. idea. He can't come follow me. He can't come to my home uninvited like he has in the past. Um, And, like, spoiler alert, the reason that we broke up was, like, let's call it extreme domestic violence. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like, I I did not feel safe breaking up with him in LA. Especially because, like, the the morning after the fight where he tried to kill me, Mm -hmm. uh, I went over to his place to pick up my stuff and... uh, there was like a letter written and like it was unhinged and it was just kind of insane yeah like i knew that this was not like i shouldn't say the word insane because that but i mean this is not this is not coming from a healthy place exactly um so but yeah so my breakup was just a tiny bit different. Yeah, no, of course. I have a question. Uh, how, what, what were you, like, I guess, when you were going through that, what, were there anything that you, when is there, was there anything that you were doing to try to, like, I mean, because it's traumatic in itself, was there anything that was, that was helping you get through that? What was the thing that, for you, it helped? You know, after even though it fight. was hard. After the fight or, or during the relationship where you were like, I'm over it, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. Um, I only really reached that point after the fight, if we're willing to be honest. Um, you know, because every time we fought, so he is, honestly, I don't generally go around trying to diagnose people, but he, his behavior lines up a lot with clinical narcissism. Um, so, like, every time that I thought, oh, I don't want this relationship anymore, and sort of started expressing that to him, he would love bomb me, and it was, you know... You're the one, you're the one that I see myself being with, you're the first person I've ever thought of marrying, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, honestly, it turns out I've befriended his exes, which, like, live your life in a way in which your exes don't have a support group. Um, yeah. But, like, um, no, like, talking to his exes, like, he said the same shit, and it was the same stuff over and over again. And so, like, that manipulation sort of it kept me in this like weird sort of spot mm-hmm. emotionally 
where like I could and he would also promise to change and like he would mm-hmm. also promise to like take his therapy more seriously and start working through shit um he never did um and like it you know that sort of like promise sort of made me a little bit more hopeful but when it became when it came down to like that last fight mm-hmm. um it was clear that I was no longer safe in this relationship and then after that like I started having some like major problems honestly I was starting I between that fight and me leaving for Europe I was literally having a breakdown at least once a day in my car where I just started hyperventilating sobbing like I you know I was having these breakdowns like regularly yeah and like it was around the time that uh, "Break My Soul" came out. Uh, <laughs> Good old "Break which, My Soul." I mean, even it, like regardless of like the themes of that song, I am a househead, <laughs> so that song really, <laughs> like, really got me through that. And then also, That's wonderful. Like, and then also listening to Demi because first there are a lot of like weird parallels with like the themes in her music. I mean. You know, different circumstances, different, like, you know, situations. But, I mean, yeah. there's something relatable about her sort of multiple near-death experiences. I shouldn't laugh. No, I mean, she has, but, she has, she, is it, oh, she, they. Is it they or? She goes by she again. She goes by she. Okay, that that's that's where that she came from because I read that she, I read that somewhere at one point, like recently. I mean, I probably, re- I probably tweeted it. Yeah, yeah, most likely that's where I saw it from, actually. Because I think I'm the only one in that, like, <laughs> and you're like, from like the mutual like sort of people we have on Twitter. I feel like yeah. I'm the only one that's talking about Demi ever. <laughs> no, one... no. But I will say that her some of her music is is really really good and for me I'm I'm a big sucker for lyrical for lyrical content or like you know or lyric you know lyrics in general yeah I decipher them I I, I like word plays and and listening to music that gives me a sense I mean for me music helped me a lot through my breakup yeah. Uh, listening to sad songs everyone's like don't listen to sad songs listen to happy music no for me the thing that helps me when i'm sad is to listen to sad music because it helps me feel like there's another person going through the same thing even though it's a song it's like it makes you feel like there's another person going through it at the same time that i'm going through you know what i mean yeah there's something to be said for relatability in music Mm -hmm. um i that's not what i generally go for if I feel like I need to feel my feelings and, like, get through it, that's when I start going to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, if I'm trying to function day to day, I need something that's going to distract me and get me out of that headspace. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Because it becomes, like, overpowering. And, like, I've I've had, like, mental health problems since I was a child. Mm-hmm. Like, in third grade, I my, my anxiety started in third grade. Mm-hmm. Um... And so it's always been sort of like, okay, because I didn't start therapy until 2019. Okay. Um, or 2020, sorry. Because 2019 was the year that I had the breakdown. And then 2020 was when I was like, okay, like, we need to, like, pull this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
before, and I mean, even now, it's more just like, how am I going to distract myself, make sure that I'm not getting in my head, and how am I going to, like, be productive and move forward? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was sort of my approach, like, generally with my mental health for a long time, was just like, how can I how can I sort of suppress all this bullshit um, and, like, just sort of exist? Yeah. Um, because, like, I was suicidal in high school. We tried a therapist, and then I didn't... I had a bad experience with the therapist, and then I just, like, did not go back to therapy until I was an adult. Um, and I thought that that experience with my therapist was like what all therapy would be like and you know it was really before we started like openly talking about mental health yeah um which i feel like is maybe aging myself but whatever uh (laughs) (laughs) no i mean growing up mental health wasn't a thing that we really talked about i mean for me anyway you know I come from a Mexican household, so our idea of handling any type of issues that you're having mentally, my mom would be like, well, I'm going to say it in Spanish for anyone that's, for anyone who's listening who speaks Spanish. My mom would say, pues ponte a limpiar, which is basically like, just well, clean the house. If you're sad, clean the house. You know what I mean? Like, And I guess there's a certain thing to it because it's like distract yourself, clean the house, and you'll distract yourself and you won't think about it. Yeah. But, but in Mexican households, like looking back, you're like, no, like, but like... I'm sad, I'm, you know, and for me, most of my childhood, I was a sad kid. Um, I was, I was, I was, I was sad because I knew that I was gay and I didn't want to be. Yeah. And so that was a lot of the issues that I had. I was an angry kid uh, and I was, I was a little shit. I would use humor to kind of to kind of process what I was going through. But it wasn't like, uh, I'm going to make everyone laugh. It was more like, I'm going to insult everyone and make fun of everyone because that's going to make me feel better. Yeah. And this is when I was like 13, 14, 15. I mean, if people, if, if I if I had Twitter back in that day and people oh, would no. dig up my, and, and people would have <laughs> dig up those tweets now, I for sure would have been canceled by everyone. Even, oh, yeah. though I, even though I did that at 13, 14, where I didn't know any better. You know, we're I'm we're lucky that we didn't have like quite the same social media landscape when we were young. Yeah, and it's also why I don't really support like canceling people for shit that they said like ten, fifteen years ago because it's not leaving any room for evolution. Yeah, and like especially like we all say like dumb shit as kids. Oh, that's totally. the point. Your kids, <laughs> like you don't you're know not... any better. <laughs> yeah. Um. And that's the point. Like, you make those mistakes, you, like, do shitty things, and you learn from those shitty things, and, you know, you move on with your life, and you become, and you're a better person for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a little shit, too, and we all thought that I, everyone around me thought that once I came out, I would be better, but it turns out that I was just a little shit. Uh (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I mean, my mom would tell me, she was like, I didn't know what to do with you. And I was like, I, I, you don't, you didn't know what to do with me. I didn't know what to do with me. I, I was, a, I was, I didn't, I wasn't a loner, but I would have friends and then I would do shit that would alienate them. And then I would be like, why don't they like me? Why don't they want to talk to me? And it's because I was doing things to people that were not nice. 
Yeah. And it also came from like for me, I remember. I mean, looking back at it now, because I've I've gone through I've gone over this in therapy, where I also never showed emotion. I still to this day like it, I'm trying to bring myself to show more emotion, but. I'm very stoic and I think you're a little similar, right? Like where you're very like stoic and with your emotions and, and you're, yeah. you know, you like, if you're mad, you like, you're like, you're, you'll see it in your face, but for the most part, like you don't, I don't show emotion at all. If I, they're like, aren't you happy? Like my friends will be like, aren't you happy? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> like, I'm just very nonchalant about it. And I realized that the reason why is because when I was a kid, anytime I would have any type of joy, it was taken away from me. Yeah. And so as I got older, well, when I was going through like my teenage years, I thought that that was the thing to do, take the joy from other people. So I would use making fun of people to take their joy away because I'm like, oh, well, that's done to me. So it's not a big deal. Obviously it wasn't, but I would do things to people that I would call friends that later would come back and bite me in the ass. Like, you know, like, oh, I heard you said this about me or I heard your, you know, you're making fun of me for this. And I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Yeah. Which is awful. <laughs> it, you know, it, it is difficult. Like, you know, it's that's honestly something that we don't talk about enough in the queer community. Like, you know, how we treat others out of like anger and like mm-hmm. shame, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like not shame, but like just like anger at being different, I guess. Mm-hmm. and the way that we treat others growing up until we sort of come into our own which yeah. then again like some gay men in particular like don't come into their own they don't grow out of they, that they yeah they live their lives in that like stunted like teenage bullshit mm-hmm. and they think that the world is wrong to them and the universe is wrong to them and they want every they would give everything to be like straight um which is actually my cousin um, really yeah um well my mom's cousin Mm. so he was like a dick to me growing up i hated him um but recently like he was talking to my mom about it and he was like i was surprised that liam didn't come to me (laughs) this was the best thing that my mom has ever said about me (laughs) she said well you always saw being gay as a curse liam likes who he is right does he still think does he still think that yeah oh okay um, you know, but it, we, we don't really talk enough about the trauma that we endure, Yeah, like growing up queer in a world that's not super open to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like to me, like there were gay people in my life, but like they seemed different. And yeah. then like on top of that, like my mom had friend had a friend who was gay who had a partner who I knew both of them and I knew they lived together I didn't know that they were partners like romantic partners and my mom never told me because she didn't want me thinking about it which like comes from like a good place but like yeah you know as like a queer kid growing up like not necessarily having those role models yeah exactly. because like this friend and his partner are like two of my favorite people on the earth on the face of the earth yeah um but, uh, and, you know, I, I do think that if I had had the, that example, like, from a younger age, I probably would have been a, more, a bit more comfortable with my own sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like, growing up in a world where that's sort of, like, 
taboo to talk about to children. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does damage when you don't yeah. see yourself represented. Yeah. Even in your like personal life, if that's like sort of like taken from you, like it can be diff- like it's difficult to sort of come to terms with that, and people resent, like harbor a lot of anger for that. Yeah, and I and I think that I mean, for me, that was not seeing myself represented and not and you know being constantly made fun of for being gay as like a five-year-old from adults you know that that trauma carries with me still till this day that that's what i was you know when i went to therapy i I had to unpack all of that and my my dad's side of the family was very rough with me yeah. Uh, I, I told a story on Twitter. I don't know if you read it about my Aladdin doll, which my Aladdin doll was like my pride and joy when I was a kid. And because my my uncle saw me playing with it, my dad got embarrassed, even though he was fine with me playing with it. And But it, was, it took my uncles making fun of me for my dad to grab that doll, put it in the barbecue in front of me. At, I was six years old, actually. Not five, six. Um, and so that was the moment when I was like, oh, I can't be like this. And it's not because I didn't want to. It's because everyone else around me was telling me, you can't be this way. You can't act like that. You can't cry. You can't do this. You can't do that. <laughs> I did not know that. I did not see that. I would have remembered. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It Jesus was pretty traumatized. It was pretty traumatized. I, I'm six years old. And this Aladdin, I mean, Aladdin is one of my favorite movies of all time. But this doll was like, I carried it everywhere. And, and the reason why is because I had asked for it for Christmas and I was told no, that I couldn't have that doll. Instead, I got like a monster truck thing that that uh, was popular at the time with the with the kids, with the boys. Instead, my sister got the Jasmine and Aladdin doll, but my sister didn't really care for dolls, so she was like, "Well, I'll keep the I'll keep the Jasmine doll, but you can have the Aladdin doll." And I was so happy, and I was like, "Okay, fine. In order to please mom and dad, I'll play with the Aladdin doll and I'll put it on top of the monster truck." But I took that doll everywhere I went. And so when we go to, when we go to family functions, I would take the truck and the Aladdin doll to try to like appease my parents, right? Yeah. And um and yeah, and my dad saw me playing with it and then he saw my uncles making fun of me. These were like 33, 34 year old people, guys my age make like imagine me making fun of a five year old for like playing with a toy. Dumb. Like, it's not something that I even think about now because it, we've, you know, for us, we've been able to kind of break that g- generational homophobia yeah. curse, right? Um, but they were making fun of me. They were laughing, calling me faggot. And obviously, instead of my dad telling them something, my dad did the opposite. Uh, yeah. Tried to save face and threw the doll into the fire <laughs> of the barbecue. Oh, my and God. So, and so I'm like trying to grab it and I'm being held back and then I'm told not to cry. So then at that at that moment, at six years old, I trained myself to not show emotion. Even until when I even when I came out, like before I came out, I would go to gay bars to try to prove that I wasn't gay, right? And guys would hit on me and I'd just be like with a straight face, like not look their way. Even if I found a guy attractive, I would not look their way. I would I trained myself to just not look at them, to not to not give any sort of attention. And it still carries with me to this day. I'll go to a bar yeah. and I'll see a cute guy. And you know, everyone's like, oh, you just give them the look. That's how you know they're into you. And the guys will look at me and I can't look at them back because I'm, my brain automatically is so 
like nope revert back to that childhood state of yours or like that like you know pre coming out state of, of yours where you don't want them to come you don't want them to think you're gay and it's like but i am gay so i don't understand I why I do that, that was i assume that behavior was because of your relationship <laughs> no I mean, obviously, when I was in a relationship, I, 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 I would, I would talk to people, but I would even before my relationship, and even now, it's very hard for me to like look at someone in the eye and like flirt with them. It, I'm easier; it's easier for me when it's like on Grinder or through like text, because yeah. I, I can type. It. But like in person, if if someone doesn't come up to me, I won't go up to them. And the only way that I'll approach someone is if I'm with people, because that that feels safer. But I don't know okay. if you ever had that experience. <laughs> No, I do better with people in per- I do better in person than I do online. If you're gonna okay. be honest, yeah. Um, because I've always been good at picking up like physical cues. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna help break break you of that when you come to LA next. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to force. I'm going to see somebody looking at you. I'm going to like literally physically push you. Yeah. Go talk <laughs> no, no, to no. Them. You're going to talk to this person. <laughs> yeah. And you know, one thing I learned about in therapy was that it's because of the fear of rejection that I had as a kid that that's the reason why I still do it. Yeah. Like if I, if I like meet you online and I'm like, Hey, like let's grab a drink. I'm much better at like flirting back with that person, like in person Yeah. than I am if I have to like make conversation with the stranger. But it's weird because it only happens when I'm, well, it happened when I was, it only happens when I was in LA. Uh, it doesn't happen that much in New York just because I'm usually around with friends and it's easier for me to talk to people. But like when I was in Europe, it was so easy to like talk to strangers. So I don't know what that was. It's Europe because <laughs> Americans are fucking sociopaths. I like that, when that, I'm in Europe, that, I go out that. alone. I yeah, would same. never, I know I will go to like circuit parties and warehouse parties alone. Cause like those are environments mm-hmm. where I know a lot of people and be like you know it's you, even if you go with with friends you're not going to be with friends for very long mm-hmm. it's very there's you know i'm good at keeping my friends around at parties and like making sure everything is like mm-hmm. going all right um i realized i might have scared you right there but uh <laughs> <laughs> no it's fine <laughs> but uh, i told you i want i want to try going to one with you <laughs> yeah when you're here we'll figure it out there's one every yeah. weekend yeah. Um, but no, like, uh, I won't go out alone here, but in London and Paris, it was totally fine. Everything yeah. was like social and like everyone was like very, you know, you're out there to socialize. I don't know what the fuck it is here where like people are like, they'll go out and they'll, they'll go out with their friends and they stick with their friends and they don't really interact with people outside of that. Mm-hmm. Fucking weird, man. I hate that. See, yeah, this I don't is get it we either. Need to, like, yeah, this is something that we need to like. Take a step back and look at our behavior and figure out what the fuck is wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, when I go out with friends, I'm like, if I meet someone, bye. Like, or, like, you know, I, I'm not going to ditch them, but I'm, I'm, I like meeting people. Uh, and then, but if, and then they get weird, and then it's like, no, dude, like, not interested anymore. Uh, but when I'm by myself, it's, it's a lot more difficult. Or if it's just hard for me to make that connection with someone um, mm. when I'm by myself here... Or when I really find someone cute, because I'm like, ah, well, they're too cute. I'm not cute enough. Like, you know, it's like also like that mental gymnastics that you do. When, oh, I do that too. Yeah. When you're like, oh, he's too cute for me because I, I don't think he's interested in me. So, yeah, that actually happened with um, somebody that I'm actually quite close with now. Um, we met at a sex party. 
Oh, that's and, fun. Um, I was walking into a room being led by somebody that I didn't want to be with, but like he latched onto me and it was like sort of like a help me moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, no, like we passed by each other and I didn't, we sort of like exchanged glances, but then I didn't stop or anything. And he was like, he was, he was confused and he came back and found me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and now we're friends, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, we all have that sort of like insecure, like, oh, this person's too cute. And it doesn't matter how like attractive you are. You're it, that's like a really difficult, like mental block to get over. Yeah. Where like you don't assume like oh somebody's like giving me a weird look Mm -hmm. instead of like oh somebody's like checking me out but it's also i feel like it's it's two-sided right because while we're thinking oh this person's uh, this person's not interested in me they're they're probably thinking oh that person is probably not interested in me you know what i mean (laughs) like it's like this weird mental gymnastic thing that we do because i've i've seen it happen I, the one time that I was brave enough to go up to someone and I was like, okay, well, if they reject me, then they reject me. And this is my, 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 my therapist was like, sometimes you just got to have the fuck it moment. If they reject yeah. you, then they reject you. Like, so what? Then it wasn't meant to be, you know? But if, what if they don't reject you? Yeah. Try it. And then, so I did. Um, and then we started talking and I mean, they ghosted me a week later, but... <laughs> What? <laughs> they ghosted me a week later, but oh. <laughs> it did work for that time that I just was like, I'm going to be brave and I'm going to just go up to them and tell them that like, Hey, and I'm not going to, I don't want to be a creep either. Cause I don't know. Sometimes you don't know how old some people are. So you don't yeah. want to be like the 30, I don't want to be the 35 year old hitting up on like a 22 year old if they, if they don't, you know, cause I didn't know that they looked 22 or that they were 22. So I'm always like, Hey, how's it going? What are you drinking? That's usually like, if I am brave enough to go up to someone, that's usually what I always start with it's yeah. like so it's so cheesy but you know it's safe for me to do see i've i go into it with like the well, i approach them and i go in with the um with a mindset where it's like either we're gonna fuck or i will make small talk with somebody and at worst a you know i lose like two seconds of my life of my mm-hmm. night but also that's like a very the very worst case scenario i mean I could also make a friend out of it. Like, yeah, it, you know, there are very few situations. I don't think I've ever approached somebody and like, Oh, once I've approached somebody once and they've not like, and they've been like rude. Mm. Um, everyone else just sort of like chats. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah. Which is also the approach that I take. Like if somebody comes up to me and I'm not like super interested in them, I'll like chat. Like, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Like, just because I'm not going to, like, fuck you later doesn't mean that I can't, like... Be friendly. Yeah. And it makes... Uh, and you never know who you're making a difference for, right? Because it could be that the person you're you're making a conversation with could be that it's the first time doing this to someone. So if their experience is, like, you being like, no, I'm not interested, or, you know, rejecting them, it might have a different effect than if you just say hello, do a little quick chat, and then usually there's no interest that that usually slowly fades out right versus yeah. like the like hey no i'm not interested like because i've had that happen as well like many times where guys were just like sorry not interested dude like you know yeah and, you know so, and like that is sort of like my privilege as a semi-muscular white man 
Yeah. I I I'm not to be conceited. No, no, no. I no, I get what you're saying though. I am rarely sort of cuz like honestly like to me like hearing stories about you getting rejected is insane to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens more I mean the same way that I still try to wrap my head around you being 35 and not in your 20s, but uh, <laughs> that's what everyone tells me. <laughs> um, no, you have like a very like talking to you, and like when I met you in person, mm-hmm. that was like it's like okay, like your energy is giving me thirty five, but like aesthetically, <laughs> I still don't see it. <laughs> and there's no and there's no Botox either. Although I might have to look into it in five years. <laughs> yeah, I'm at thirty. We're getting some Botox. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, are you still in there? Are you still in therapy at all? Or I am. I I am thinking about changing therapists. <laughs> um, it happens. I had to change my therapist. Yeah, I, I saw him. Yes, two days ago. No, no, no. Uh, yesterday, I saw him yesterday. Brought up a few things that I have concerns with about personal and 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 group. Um, I told him, I was like, I don't feel connected to this anymore. Um, yeah. I feel like, I feel like I'm not, I'm not, I come here and I just tell you about like, it's like, I'm talking to you about like dumb things. There's like, we're not really diving deep. Um, and in group therapy, I feel very disconnected from the group. So I told him that. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't connect with these people anymore and it it doesn't serve me any purpose anymore so you live in like hell's kitchen right no i live in harlem i live in harlem but but i work in midtown so i'm always in hell's kitchen just because if i go for a drink i can just walk to hell's kitchen yeah also we gotta gotta get you to come visit i know (laughs) we're working on it yeah we have a lot Uh, going on right now (laughs) yeah no i know um yeah most of my Actually, I only have two friends who live in House Kitchen. Three friends that live in House Kitchen. Um, everyone else lives in Harlem or the Upper West Side. Okay. So, I actually uh, like where I live, though. So I, I could get a fraction of the size of what I pay for the apartment that I'm living in right now, which is like a walk-in closet and tons of space. <laughs> honestly, like Harlem gives me sort of like. Echo Park vibes in my mind. A what park? Echo Park vibes in my mind. Okay. I don't know what that is. What is that? Explain it to me. Echo Park. It, oh, Echo it Park. Feels like Echo, Echo park. park. Yeah. Uh, Not that yes. I've been to Harlem, so I have no reference. Uh, I, I would give it more of an East LA. More of vibe. what? More of an East LA vibe. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. More of an East LA vibe. I mean, it's kind of up and coming. There's a, I mean, it's getting gentrified. So, so is East LA? Yeah. It's East so LA. So is East LA. So Echo Park was that way 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. Inglewood is happening now. <laughs> Inglewood, really? Oh, my goodness. Oh, and Baldwin Hills. Like, it's wild. I mean, in Inglewood, you have the stadium, you have the new arena mm-hmm. being built. You have a lot of like public transportation being built that's really connecting it to the rest of the city in a way that it's never really been before. Yeah. So it's like 
there's certain things that are sort of pushing it. Also, Inglewood was never super low income. Parts of it are, but like most, for the most part, like it is very like working class. Yeah. Um, which is like sort of low income, I guess, but like not super. Like it, it, Inglewood was never, you know, bad. If I'm going to be honest, it's more just like communities of color that white people don't like to go to. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I've been, I think I went to Inglewood once or twice while I lived in LA. I always, when I lived in LA, I lived on um, Melrose and Vine. Okay. I lived like there. Like East Hollywood. Yeah. Or no. It's not, not West Hollywood, Hollywood, but it's not East Hollywood either. It's like in between. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what's that Melrose and Vine. So it's like, so Melrose, you see, so there's like Melrose and then it's, there's like a pavilion, not pavilions. Is oh, that is that where the pavilions is? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's like a donut shop. Oh, that's a good area. Yeah. Yeah. Cherry Hose Donuts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I, yeah, I lived there for four, three, three or four years. Um, my, my roommate, do you watch the, you know, I mean, we're not going to talk, we're not going to get into the Try Guy drama. (laughs) My, the, one of the Try Guys, Eugene, his boyfriend used to be my ex-roommate's boyfriend. Eugene's ex-boyfriend. Eugene's current boyfriend used to be my my roommate's ex-boyfriend or boyfriend okay. at the time. Yeah. Try guys. I'll I have tea, but I will tell you not on here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, find a new therapist. That's you know a normal yeah. sort of. That's. I've been talking to my friend about this because he's going to therapy for the first time. Mm-hmm. And apparently at this point, I'm, I'm his touch person for mm-hmm. that. Um, and he like, he was like, I'm not sure if the therapist is working out. And I'm like, okay, I go find another one. Yeah. You just cause like you start going to a therapist, like, you know, doesn't mean that you're locked into this person. Yeah. I'm on my second therapist. I really like with the therapist and I don't necessarily foresee anything happening in knock on wood, but like, you know, Although he did withhold a fucking diagnosis from me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, I, we were talking about it because I texted my, because my panic attacks were getting so bad. I, te- I messaged mm-hmm. my doctor about it and he's like, well, yeah, I have the diagnosis down here that you have PTSD. I'm like, this feels yeah, like, like things that need to be communicated. Like as soon as you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is pertinent information. Yeah. Um, I'm having panic attacks where I can't get up off of the floor. Yeah. I, I, meds would help here. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah, I, one of the reasons why I, I want to change therapists, like I said, I, 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 I don't longer think it's, it's serving me and I'm not digging as deep as I can. For the most part, I started going to therapy to figure out what was wrong with me in order to help me in my relationship at the time. And it ended up being that the thing that I needed to do was to get out of that relationship. Yeah. Um, and so that was, you know, I, I wasn't hesitant about going to therapy for the first time. I was just like, I don't know if I need it. And then my roommate was like, no, everyone needs therapy. I was about to say so, everyone needs therapy. Everyone needs therapy. And and now I'm a firm believer of that because obviously therapy helped me so much with figuring out what I wanted. There was a quote from Hillary Clinton on her gutsy show that where she, where she was talking to someone and, and that person said, 
it took me being in a situation that I did not want to realize that this is not how I wanted to live my life. You know, and sometimes you have to be in a situation unfortunate that's unfortunate in order to realize that that's not what you want anymore. And, yeah. and and you need to be in it in order to be like, no, nope, I don't want this anymore. And that's how I approach things now. I, you know, I know what I, I, I now know what I don't want in a relationship if I were, if I were to ever get one. And I know what I want. And, and see, and like me not really realizing the signs, like I had to learn what those signs were about, like what it was to have to deal with someone who was not as emotionally mature as I was. And I'm not saying it was their fault entirely. It was my fault, too, because I also did not know how to communicate to that person who was not emotionally, you know, aware of what they were doing to me. And my ignorance to that was causing them to have that emotional reaction to me. It was like, you know, we were both doing it to each other without realizing we were doing it to each other. Yeah. And it can be, you know... It can be difficult being the emotionally immature one in the relationship, especially like, I mean, that was me in my relationship with Drew and Drew is mm -hmm. 12 years older than me. So like also, you know, it can be difficult where I'm like, okay, like let's reframe how you're feeling about this right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like give it a different perspective. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he never really wanted to listen to me cause I was younger than him. And I'm like, yeah, I might, you might have 12 years on me, but I have like, 15 years of trauma on you so yeah but I, also you also have the uh, tools because you were yeah. going to therapy you had the tools to know how to you know work things out or, or frame things not frame things but you had the tools to be able to communicate okay let's free frame what this conversation is whereas yeah my ex you know sometimes i would be like hey let's talk about it he's like no i'm fine it's fine and then a week later he would bring it up and I'd be like, yeah, we, t we talked about this. Why are we bringing it up again? Yeah. You know? It, you know, I, going into a relationship, you need to have like the sort, sort of like the same level of emotional maturity. And that's like also another mm -hmm. thing where it's people don't recognize where they're not. If you're not super emotionally mature, you're not going to recognize that you're not emotionally mature. Yeah. And like, with the way that we sort of society sort of perpetuates toxic behavior people don't recognize the impact that their behavior is having on others and they think mm -hmm. that it's normal because it's it's behavior that's been normalized yeah yeah I, for me one of the biggest lessons that i learned was you know when i get into argue when i would get into arguments with my ex i, I would never yell I, I was always very calm relaxed um, but I also wasn't, li <laughs> <laughs> but I also wasn't, wasn't listening because, yeah. because he was being so emotional. I was like, kind of, I was like, I'm over this. I'm like, I'm, I'm listening, but I'm really not listening because you're too emotional at this point. But I also wanted to be careful with how I worded what I would say to him because I didn't want him to feel like being emotional was, was a negative, you know? Yeah. If that makes sense? Like, I, 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 and so anytime we would argue about something, I was always very careful with my words because I know how words can be misconstrued. And I never wanted to be misconstrued. I always wanted to be, I always wanted to speak with intent. But at the yeah. same time, because he was so emotional, there would be times where I was over it. So I was just like, 
I was like, okay, whatever. Like, say what you have to say, but like, you're being ridiculous. But I wouldn't say that, but my actions would say that for me. And so that was causing him even more anxiety, which was causing me more, you know, like it was like, like the circular thing that we could not fix. Yeah. And like, I haven't really been able to examine that because I spent most of the last year trying to like keep myself from going crazy. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, cause I mean like our fights would get to the point, I mean, where I would get suicidal because he would gaslight me into thinking that I was this like terrible person. And the reason that nobody, you know, wanted to hang out with us. And then it turns out that nobody liked him, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, when I broke up with him the first time, much people were like, Oh, finally. Yeah. You know, and like talking to his other exes, like I recognize now that he doesn't really have any long-term friends, but, um, you know, to the point where I tried to kill myself last November like you know and so because it was sort of like losing like my like really like my grasp on reality in a lot of in a lot of cases and like a lot of my therapy was just like making sure that i was like seeing things for what they were and not you know or like making sure that my feelings and something were were valid Mm -hmm. and i never really got into like what my response was i mean we would talk about what my response was but like Mm -hmm. we never got into deconstructing that Mm-hmm. because it was always like a something new would happen every week yeah. and it was always like a okay like am i am i being rational here where am i not like what's going on like how do i sort of gauge what's going on um and we still can't deconstruct that because we're still dealing with the aftermath of everything and then also no, like of course family health stuff like yeah a lot of shit um but, you know, I have a question for you. When you guys would get into arguments, did you ever get the feeling that, because it sounds to me from what you're telling me, from what you've told me, that you were always trying to ra- like be rational about what the conversations you were having. Did you ever feel at any point that he wasn't trying to rationalize? He was more trying to always win the argument. Was that something that you felt that he would do? So he started all of our arguments, but I think two. Hmm. So, like, it, there was no reasoning with him. There was no convincing him. Because all of our fights, basically, were just him feeling slighted at a bar or something. Um, you know, I somebody could come up and talk to me, or, like, somebody could look at me, and he would, like, huff and puff and storm off. Mm. Um, and so, at that point, like, nothing was really going to be accomplished. And, like, it always devolved into yelling because I would try speaking to him and he would, A, interrupt me and, B, like, we would start talking in circles and it just sort of, like, got to the point where it was, like, A, I'm yelling to be fucking heard because you refuse to let me speak. Mm -hmm. And, B, like, you know, there's, like, a level of, like, frustration and anger that comes with, like, somebody just completely disregarding what you're saying. Yeah. And, like, somebody refusing, like, I would say, like, you know, it's always, like, I'm sorry if I made you feel this way. Like, if you felt this way about that interaction, this is what my intention was. I will be more cognizant Mm -hmm. of it. But, like, you also need to start seeing things from my perspective as well. Because from my perspective, I was talking to this person. I wasn't flirting. And he's like, but they were. And I'm like, their their behavior, their actions, doesn't matter. 
Yeah. What matters is your partner and how they're treating the situation, how they're going to the situation. Yeah. And it was always sort of like a round and round of just like him having to have been hurt. It was always like, you know, he always had to be the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just sort of, you know, and then it would turn into like conversations and fights the next day about like my behavior during the fight. And it's like, I was yelling because you were, you were interrupting me. You were talking in circles. Like, I don't know where you expected that argument to go. Yeah. Because also, like, you should know by now, like, I'm not the kind of person who's just going to let something go and let you disrespect them like that. Like, that's not happening. Yeah. Like, your behavior, like, continuously walking off and huffing and puffing and having all these problems is unacceptable. And it's disrespectful to me. And it's just, and to assume every time that I'm flirting and trying to cheat, disrespectful to me. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, now it's, you know, talking through it in therapy and all that. Like, I'm starting to recognize a lot of the talk, a lot of the toxic behavior that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can look back on it now with clarity. Because, like, I'm not going to, like, defend me, like, me yelling. Um, it happens. Which, like, I don't see a problem with yelling. Because to me, it's just sort of an energy release. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my fam- I come from a family of yellers. Like, <laughs> on, like, both sides. And it's just sort of, like, how we communicate. But we're also able to yell and scream and, like... Understand each other. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, like, that com- that's where it sort of comes in. It's, like... I can yell at... Yelling at somebody and they're not yelling back is one thing. Mm-hmm. If you're yelling at each other, it's, you know... It just, it it happens. Yeah. I think for me, I don't yell mostly because, similar, I grew up in a family that yells, but I didn't, I never liked it. When my parents would yell at me or or specifically my dad, when my dad would yell, like, it didn't scare me. I just, I hated it because I always thought that there are better ways for you to communicate whatever frustrations you have without having to yell at me. And I also think that stems from being a kid and, you know, I was always the one that was never heard. So yelling was an instant way for some, for me to not be heard because you're yelling at me. So like, I can't, now I can't talk to you, you know? Yeah. So for me, that's why I don't like to yell because I never want to, for me specifically, I want to be like, okay, let's be calm. Let's be clear. I mean, I'm also in communication. So like, I have to be very specific with my intent. But I get what you're saying, though. Like, yeah. it, everyone everyone reacts to it differently, but there is truth to, you know, if it's an energy release, you know, because you're yeah. not being heard, so... And I think, for me, I, I'm i recognizing as we're speaking now that that was probably my dad. He wasn't being heard, so he's like, he had to yell to let that energy out. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, like, also, again, like, it... I've, you know, the yelling only really happens in situations where and really like honestly like toxic situations which is like really where a lot of the yelling in my family comes from as well mm-hmm. um because like with anybody else i've ever really dated like i've never i've not really yelled i had never really gotten to the into like arguments like this before um i never had a reason to yell because you'd have a misunderstanding and like we would argue mm-hmm 
but when we were arguing, like, both people were being heard and, like, both people were, you know, it was, like, a progressive conversation. Yeah. It was a heated progressive conversation, but it was a progressive mm-hmm. con- conversation nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, that's, you know, that's honestly, like, my biggest, like, my biggest thing is, like, don't talk over me. Don't interrupt me. Let me finish what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that's, like, the... No, that's probably like the number one way to piss me off <laughs> yeah if i'm going to like give you the respect of like listening to you like you need to give me that same respect back of course um but yeah so he it, every fight we had would just sort of reset back to whatever the fuck was happening before i'm like shocked that you never saw us fight no it, it looked the complete opposite when I when I mean I saw you only twice yeah so I saw you in September of 2021 and then I saw you again in Mar- April yeah you saw me I think we broke up you broke up in between and then you got back together did we break up in between yeah so when I first met you and and him we went out for drinks i remember this because he was wearing shoes i was like oh i have the same shoes um and then you guys left early i stayed behind because there was like these two drunk dudes that you yeah that like he we started talking he knew yeah but like we started talking to them and then you guys left and then they stayed behind and then i went with them to get a drink and then i'm like i gotta go like i have we had a (laughs) you had a fight after that (laughs) we did (laughs) um because i didn't want to leave and he was okay. like being annoying. I sense that you didn't want to leave, but yeah. I, but then you're like, we're gonna go. But and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I was like, I, I'll stay for a little bit. <laughs> we had like an argument after that, and I just sort of like let it go. It was mm-hmm. like one of those situations. Yeah. Where it was like not necessarily worth it. It was a Sunday night, and I'm pretty sure we had fought the night before as well. Mm, okay. Like, there was rarely a moment where like alcohol was involved and we weren't fighting. Hmm. Because, like, it got to the point where I, we started rolling every weekend. Because when we rolled, we didn't fight. But when got he it. got drunk, he got very, he got very combative. Mm-hmm. And it didn't even have to be, like, him being drunk. Like, he could have a couple of drinks. And, like, alcohol made him fucking mean. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it turned into, okay... If, you know, we roll, that's not an issue. Um, which then turned into, like, a problem again, because that started, like, depleting my serotonin that mm-hmm. I didn't have to begin with. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, all kind of a nightmare. And, like, you know, thank God for therapy, looking back, deconstructing, and also mm-hmm. having a PTSD diagnosis, and now I can get meds. <laughs> What kind of meds do they give you for that? Anxiety stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. My therapist predicted benzos. Mm. It, you know, anything to help, like, me not be on the floor. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I mean... Um, you know, and, like, I am on meds for, like, yeah. my bipolar disorder. So, like, yeah. full disclosure, like, I now have, like, two diagnosed mental health disorders. Um, which, you know, there's, like, nothing wrong with everyone sort of, you know, it, it's more common than you think. 
Yeah. And like when I was diagnosed with my bipolar disorder, I told people like a lot of people are like either oh same or I have a lot of family members and friends who are and I do, I never like super realized how common it was. Yeah. It's just like one of those things where we need to talk about it a little bit more because you know these mental health disorders do exist. And they're nothing to be ashamed of. And, you know, there are things that we can do to sort of, there are things that we can do to, like, mitigate the impacts. Yeah. So, like, for me, it's a combination of meds and, like, working out. Yeah. Um, those are the two that are co-signed by my therapist. Um, I have some other extracurricular activities that I partake in. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I need to stop using sex and partying as a uh, as as a uh, as a coping mechanism, but sometimes yeah. it's what you need. Sometimes it's just fun. <laughs> sometimes, you know, sometimes you just need to to have like a long like a long session with somebody, or uh, yeah, you just need to be on like a dance floor, yeah, and just you know get away with shit, get away from shit. I. So when I ended my relationship, I had a lot of anxiety about sex and going we talked about this similar I, I believe I text I remember texting you about this we've had a lot of I had a lot of anxiety about sex and going back out there and 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 doing that again because every goddamn week I would hear about something new oh if you make out with people you're gonna get this if you you know then there was like the monkey pox and it was just like a like and I'm like oh I have to get back on prep again and like everything would freak me out if I, and I remember like going after I broke up with, with my ex, I remember one, I think I texted you. I, I went to a bar and I made out with a bunch of men. And then I was like, yeah. oh God, I'm going to go get tested because I know I think I have something. And I was very good until three weeks ago <laughs> where I ended up getting diagnosed with throat gonorrhea. I recall that. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, how did I get this? And I was so depressed about it that I was like going in my head. I'm like, I haven't done that much at all since I've broken up with my ex. Like I've done things, but like not really. <laughs> That's and how it, you get shit. Yeah. You got to stick to the whores. The whores, <laughs> you know, we're proactively getting shit checked out. Yeah. And I like, get tested every like, month now because I'm so freaked yeah. out by it. So, like, I was the same before the pandemic. I was getting tested every month because I was tired of, like, getting fucking STDs. But, um, you know, like, if somebody's, like, sexually active and they have, like, a little burning sensation or, like, they're feeling a little run down, they'll go get tested. Mm -hmm. And they'll take care of it and they're getting out of the pool immediately. Yeah. Um, when somebody who thinks that they're a good person and, like, doesn't have a whole lot of sex... Kiss of death, words, the phrase that's like the kiss of death. I'm really careful about who I hook up with. <laughs> Immediately go get tested the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, and I, so this guy had ghosted me and he had come over like the night, like the week before. And obviously we fooled around and... I, I'm like, he had a ghost of me, so I was like, I'm, I'm happy with not texting him anymore. Like, I tried. He's not, he's not interested. And then I get the diagnosis, and I was like, fuck, now I have to text him. It was like the most that's embarrassing when you thing. Give I... them the, that's when you give them the, the, um, that's when you give them the, uh, 
the contact information in the clinic does it for you. Uh, okay, I did not know that you could do that. <laughs> I so after I after I embarrass myself, keep in mind that hold on, I texted him and I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't. I I was like, this happened, and you're the only person I've really been with. Because he, he, he technically was. I, I had just made out with people prior to him. So I hadn't really yeah. done anything. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, it has to be this. So, like, maybe he had it and gave it to me, you know? Yeah. And so I texted him. It was, like, the most embarrassing thing in the world. And he's like, thank you for letting me know. Like, I'll go get tested and let you know. Comes back, like, three days later. He's like, hey, I'm all clear. And I was like, how the f-? Like, and I'm thinking, how the fuck do I have this now? And you I went back. You can get it from making out. I, well, so th- that's how I found out. So I had gone out after the week, the week I, I hooked up with him on a Sunday. That following Friday, I went out with friends. Me and my friend were, we had rolled. So we were all, we were feeling a little, little, a little horny. I'm so and proud of you. I know. <laughs> oh my God. I bought, I bought like this thing that lasted me for like a month and a half. <laughs> It was like the best thing in the world. And I was sharing it with people and I still had a lot left. Next time you come, I'm going to get it. It's really good. Right. Uh, when you come, when you come to New York, because uh, I don't want to travel with it because I don't want to get in trouble. Um, so remind me to tell you a story okay, after I, this because okay. it, it doesn't need to be broadcasted. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Perfect. And so me and him were like, oh, like, let's see who we can find. And me and him are not like attracted to anybody. Like we're not attracted to each other. You know, we're just friends. But it was more Wait, like, who was more it? like, you don't know them, but I don't want to name them in case they listen to this. Okay. I, I'll text you. I'll text you okay. separate. I'll send you pictures. <laughs> um, but he's a, he's an attractive guy. It wasn't who you think. <laughs> it wasn't Joey, if you were thinking Joey. <laughs> I, that, that is who I was thinking, not going to lie. Okay. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Joey. No, Joey at that time, uh, he was doing his sober September. Um and so we meet this guy outside this club and the guy's like yeah i'm into both of you so i make out with this guy and then my friend makes out with the guy and that was that right and then he got gonorrhea and then your friend got gonorrhea yeah me and him both got gonorrhea but he didn't know it because i'm thinking so i got tested so we went out that friday i went and got tested wednesday because i had scheduled my test for wednesday and so I'm thinking, yeah, I'm pretty good. Like, you know, got tested, did everything. And that following Monday, I get a call from my doctor at 9 a.m. He's like, hey, Alex. He's like, I just want to let you know uh, everything came back clear, but you have throat gonorrhea. And I'm like, how could this happen? <laughs> like, I was Was this your first STD? No. I've had, okay. I, when I went to Europe, I got, I got the, the double whammy, which is chlamydia and, 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 and gonorrhea. But this was before this. This is not this, this, this past Euro trip. It was before I got with my ex. Uh, like yeah, I had gone to Europe and then I got them at the same time and then I cleared it out. Yeah. I often come back from Europe with an STD as well. Yeah, they're, they're very rampant there. What is it about <laughs> Europe? Do they not well, get tested? <laughs> I mean, like for me, like the I, I'm maybe a little bit more sexually active when I'm abroad when I'm like mm, not okay. home. Yeah. Um, like Paris, I did. Did you go to raid? Raid? Mm-hmm. In Paris? No. 
It's a it's a gay bar that has men dancing oh, naked and showered. Yeah, Rain. I went to Rain. Um, I I maybe took a little bit more of a sexual route. Got it. Okay. Um, there are a few clubs. There are a few bars. Bars. I I know which ones. You. I can guarantee you don't know the first one that I went to though. Okay, you'll have to. Because it doesn't later. super <laughs> appeal to you. I don't think. I don't know. You could be a freak and I don't know. But, uh... Maybe. <laughs> we've, we've never really talked about fetishes. I don't think. No, I don't think so, no. I, I'm kind of boring, to, to an extent. Um, but... Enter Liam. But... <laughs> <laughs> cut, to, cut to me pushing you to go to a fisting club in Paris. Um... <laughs> I would be like, what do I do? Actually, I've done it. No, I, I haven't had it done, but I've done it once to someone. Just once? Just once. Okay. I It was my first time, and I was like, okay, I just, like, did it. <laughs> like, well, someone helped me do it, because there, there was another person in the room. Um, and I did it, and then I felt very proud of myself, but then I was like, <laughs> would I do it again? I don't know. Maybe if, if the situation is right, yeah, uh, I would. Um, I don't know if I would ever have it done to me, just because. Like I feel a certain way about that area in general. Um, you're not a bottom. <laughs> I'm not a bottom, so <laughs> so that's why. Like, even when I even when I bottom, I've never enjoyed it. So that's why yeah. I, I would feel a certain way about it. Um, um, although I might suggest um, jerking off in somebody's hole. That's fun. Okay. I've I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that. Aww. I've done things. I just I think I'm I think you said this to me once. You're like you, you come across not you didn't say I was prudish, but you said you that I came across as very reserved online. Compared you to everyone very... else. Very reserved compared to everyone else. <laughs> I think you come off very reserved like in person as well though. You're very quiet. Yeah. And, like, you're very, like, you know, there's, like, not a whole lot, like, on the surface, and then all of a sudden you speak, and I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're at. Yeah. No, the, there's a lot of stories I can tell you. <laughs> I just, I, I, I also have this feeling of, like, this fear of, like, I don't want to scare people off, because I'm an open book, but I also don't want to, like, be... I need to feel comfortable to do to be able to do it. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm like, if I'm scaring you off, I don't need you in my life. No, that makes sense. No, I think for me, it just comes of like more of, because I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I was never used to being like that. It wasn't until like my thirties where I became more comfortable with it, but I just, it's mostly like the vibe of the person that I'm with, you know? The only reason that I'm comfortable, I'm like very like, comparatively like pretty like let's say sexually liberated mm-hmm. um is because i fell into those situations right i like fell into i literally fell into somebody's hole like i <laughs> <laughs> tried fingering him and just kept going <laughs> you no yeah that's how it happens i'm like trying to remember like no yeah that's how it happens 
Uh, well, the guy took my. F- he's like, he's like, hold your fist like this, and I was like, okay. And he goes, we're gonna go in. He he guided me through the entire thing, and he's oh like, how does it feel? I was like, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I I just felt the entire time I was like, I feel bad for this guy, and the guy's like, no, no, I'm enjoying it. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, like you know, I you know I've fallen in with like certain people, certain groups, and certain you know communities where I've been able to sort of embrace everything mm-hmm. and embrace my sexuality in a way that I feel like a lot of gay men don't. Yeah. I feel like that's where I'm trying to be right now in this moment. Like now that I'm now that I'm not in a relationship, there was a lot of things that I wanted to do sexually that you know, the other person didn't wasn't really into, so I was like I want to explore more to see like what I like and what I don't like. Um but yeah. then the whole STD aspect, you know, gave me a lot of anxiety, so I had to work through that first. But now you're, you know, but now you're over the hump. You've gotten your first STD, and it wasn't that bad, was it? No, I had no symptoms. Yeah, you know what? STDs happen, you get a shot, and you take some pills, and you're good to go. Like, you know, I mean, See, not all STDs, but again, prep. Yeah. Also, if you're going to be a whore, your doctor really needs to put you on Valtrex. What is Valtrex, that? It's for herpes, but it'll like okay. it acts as either you have herpes you've never had enough you've never had a breakout and like you don't know mm-hmm. and it's you know it is what it is or you don't have herpes and you're going to be exposed to it and Valtrex I believe works as a um a prophylaxis as well do you take it every day similar to prep or is it like a one-time yeah, thing yeah I take it every okay. day okay I just added it I'm I'm on four or five different prescription meds at this point five got it no six. I take a small pharmacy every night, but um... does it make your body feel a certain way, like weird, or is there no like side effects to when you take when you take all of that? Anything you take, you're going to have an initial sort of like side effect. Mm-hmm. Okay, but your body gets used to it. Because I mean, okay. did you have any side effects when you started prep? Uh, I just had weird dreams. Yeah, so like I had some stomach issues when I first started. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Okay. You know, and then I had some problems for like a couple of days, and then I was like, good to go. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, any you know anything you start taking, you're going to get. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's the you know. I remember when I texted my friend and told him like, hey, so I think you might have this. And he <laughs> goes, why? And then I was like, well, I'm, I did the math. The guy that goes to me didn't give it to me. And the only logical explanation is the guy that we both made up with. And he goes, oh, no wonder my throat's been feeling funny. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. And then I was like, and I said, you should go get tested today. And I was like, I'm already, I'm like, they gave me two pills. It was done. Um, And then I saw him last weekend and I, and I didn't want to, because our friends were there, but they didn't know like that that had happened. So when they were like in the kitchen, I was like, "Hey, I was like, so did your what, what did your test say?" And he's like, "He's like, it came back positive." And I was like, <laughs> it's like, had it not been for me doing this math, you know?" Mm. Uh, go get tested every three months. Go get tested every month, every once if you if you feel so inclined. Yeah. Stay on top of your sexual health. Yeah. Don't 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 let like somebody texting you. I mean, in between tests, like obviously sometimes people text you. Oh, I have this. Go get tested. But like, don't let that be like your primary uh, 
of finding out. It's never fun. Also, some people don't inform you. I make I make it a point to inform everyone, but literally, like, I got gonorrhea recently, and I texted my friend about it. I'm like, oh, by the way, I had this, and like the friend had hosted this group, and I was part of that group. He's like, oh yeah, this other guy said he had it too, and I'm like, okay, you had this communication that somebody that was present at a sex group that you and I were also present at and you didn't tell me <laughs> why <laughs> um, which I mean given who it is like that's probably just like him being spacey but whatever doesn't matter yeah Anyway, we started talking about mental health, and now we've talked. Now we've talked we, about we've, existing and STDs. We've moved on. <laughs> no, I mean it, it's. I like these types of conversations because they they evolve into something, but they all kind of have. You can always link them back to mental health, right? Because I mean, yeah, it's... we can talk about my unhealthy sex habits and uh, being <laughs> self destructive. Um, and for me, which... I can talk about my like my crippling anxiety about STDs and and sex after a relationship. You know, like. Yeah. It was crippling to the point where my friends would be like, Alex, shut the fuck up. Like, you're fine. Making out with someone is not going to, like, give you AIDS. Like, you know, like, it's, it was, but I was like, oh, my God, I, I made out with someone at a club. Like, I have to go get tested. Like, it was to that point where I was just feeling so freaked out about it all. Because I hadn't, yeah. for four years, I didn't have to worry about it because I was, I was monogamous. And then. Yeah. I mean, you know, it can be difficult, especially in our community, because you brought up the AIDS, like that has sort of like you know really shaped a lot of our attitudes towards sexual health in the yeah. within the community yeah um i have never been sexually active in a world without prep mm -hmm. so like I... i've never had to worry about that i i did i i so when i moved to new york i didn't get on prep until 2017. okay and i was sexually active a lot before that yeah how i never caught anything is a miracle i'm not kidding yeah when i met my ex we exchanged the our number you know of like what's your yeah. number and mine was in like 600 <laughs> and he was shocked Honestly? he was shocked and he like didn't want to talk to me for a day <laughs> Okay, no, if you can count the number of people you've had sex with, I, I question, I, I, I do kind of question you. Not gonna lie. Like, that's so weird to me. I don't get it. It was, I, I, it was a lot. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people I've hooked up with in a night sometimes. Like, I <laughs> never ask me my number. <laughs> it's always the most awkward when I'm getting tested. Like, so how many people have you had sex with? And I'm like... You're like, uh, like last week or in like a year? Last night. Last night. Last, over the last week. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't tell you. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you now this past year, I, I've had sex with three people after my breakup and then once with my ex before we broke up. I had sex with more people from that on Saturday. Uh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> Go out and do it then. I know. It, I I can. It's just like... I also think that 
winter or fall winter in New York is a lot different than than fall winter in LA. So that also contributes to not feeling sexual because all you want to do is curl up at home because it's so fucking like right now it's freezing outside. It's 50 degrees, windy and it's raining. Um it is yeah, for for comparison where I am it is 6:30 p.m. and it is still over 75 degrees out. Yeah. <laughs> it's been cold and all I want to do is like be at home on the couch. I have like no also after the SCD like not I don't have any more but after that I'm like I'm not feeling very sexual and I think it's just again part of my anxiety that I'm afraid that it's going to happen again but like you said it's going to happen regardless so like Yeah. <laughs> So. And, you know, the best you can do is just get tested regularly and, like, make sure you're on top of it and you're ahead of it and just go from there. Yeah. Um, and also, it's funny that you say that because some of the biggest whores that I know live in New York. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know a few. <laughs> you probably don't know my friends because they're definitely out of your... They're definitely not your type. But, you know. Do they live in Hell's Kitchen? No. Oh, okay. Um... I don't have one a type. in particular. <laughs> he, I will tell you why he is not your type. Okay, tell me. Um, not right now. I will text okay, you. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, text me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he lives. He does not live in Hell's Kitchen. Mm. I, I, I don't want to identify him. Um, I, that's <laughs> fine. Totally fine. Totally fine. Yeah, I mean he's fine. He's very open about it. But like, you know, um. But yeah, he he texted me about going to. Is it the cock? Is uh, that a bar? Uh huh. Which I will, if you come to New York, I will have to take you there. Okay. It's because I heard some stuff happens downstairs. Oh, so yes, the first time I went to the <laughs> cock was when I was visiting New York. I came with friends. This is before they moved it to the new location. It was like a tiny little location. It's it smelled like semen and sweat. I'm not I kidding. That. Yeah. That's that's my happy place. Yeah. And we went we went and they had this tarp. They had like a table and a tarp. And whatever if you went behind that tarp, it was dark. You didn't know what was happening, who was doing what with whom, and if someone was doing something to you, you didn't know who it was. And so it was a dark room. It's a dark room, yeah. But then they moved to the new location and now the new location it's a down it's downstairs, completely pitch black. Sometimes you kind of see people based on like the lights of the dj but it's like yeah and yeah i don't see i don't love like truly dark dark rooms because like i do want to make sure that like i mean even every once in a while like i was you know playing around in a dark room recently Mm -hmm. and somebody came up and like started to like like went inside me and i'm like who the fuck are you like yeah you want to know exactly who you're doing something with Yeah. yeah also like you know, we can be in like a hypersexual space like that, but like, consent is still a thing. Okay. Consent is still a thing that we value. Yeah, no, of course. Anyway, getting back on track. You know, it. You know, it is important that you know we we're always checking ourselves. I always check myself from time to time. I'm like, okay, how am I feeling about certain things? How you know? Uh, and I never used to do that before until therapy where I had to have like a mental check with myself about like how I was feeling, what type of emotions I was having and how I can address them in the healthiest way. 
Um, yeah. I, I've gotten so good at compartmentalizing that sometimes like I don't real, sometimes I don't realize like how something is affecting me until mm-hmm. it comes up and bubbles up and becomes too big. Like I didn't know, like I got into therapy this morning and we were talking and I didn't know that this was, bo- that something was bothering me as much as it was. Mm-hmm. And I just started, this has happened a couple of times and my therapist is always a bit taken back by it because I've been going to him for I think nearly two years now. Okay. It'll be two years in like March, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he's never seen me get like that. And I like work myself up into like, I start yelling, not at him, just like generally, just like da 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 Yeah. And then he also like can't really understand what I'm saying. And at the same time, I'm hyperventilating. Yeah. And it's about something that I didn't know was bothering me. Yeah. Uh, um, and, like, I, you know, with therapy, like, I have tried to become more mindful, but sometimes, you know, shit happens. Yeah. And, like, but I am sort of, like, mindful about, like, my drug use and, like, my substance use. Because, like, a contributor to the breakdown that I was talking about in 2019, um, I was going out and partying every weekend mm-hmm. and that meant I was rolling every weekend. Mm-hmm. And so when you're rolling for like nine, 10 weeks straight, you're not giving your brain the time to reset. Yeah. Um, and so like I do sort of check in on myself and be like, okay, what are you doing? How are you socializing? Like what's going on here? Um, and making sure that like this, you know, shit's not impacting me again. Yeah. Because, like, again, like, I was using it a lot, but at the same time, like, I wasn't... I was able to stop. I didn't form a dependency or addiction or anything. It just sort of... I stopped. I was fine, and we got better. But... And it taught me also, don't roll every weekend. But, uh... No, I mean, that's what I learned recently, because my friend was like, can we do it again? I was like, well, we did it last week, and I'm not in the mood to do it again because I don't have that much. I'm still recovering from <laughs> the last time we did yeah. it. And I was like, and it's not good to do it. I remember I asked you, I was like, is it okay to do it back to back? And you're like, yeah, it should be fine. But then I was like, but not every weekend, just because I did it back to back once and I was exhausted. Yeah. Like that following. I day. mean, I'm still in my twenties, so I do not experience that. <laughs> but um, it's a whole different—it's a whole different ball game when you're in your thirties, mid thirties, like yeah. I am. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I you at any age, like you don't want to be fucking with your brain chemistry like that, and you don't want to be depleting your serotonin like that because it doesn't matter how old you are, like that's gonna fuck with you. That's gonna fuck you up. Yeah. And even if you're not feeling the physical effects, like you still. There's still, like, the mental stuff and all yeah. that. Um, but, yeah, check in with yourself to make sure that you are not having, that you don't have any unhealthy uh, coping mechanisms. Yeah, that's what I try to do. I mean, for me, once once I went through that little bag of substance that I had, I was like, okay, I'm good for now. Like, maybe, like, in six months, I'll hit up the guy again. <laughs> and, yeah, and, but... I mean, like, I don't, I don't keep stuff around except for I do have some GMA drawer, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, I shouldn't say that. I don't have any G. Um, we'll, we'll edit this part out. 
<laughs> that's that's no, the beauty of editing. Yeah. No, I, I don't think anyone cares. I mean, I, I feel um, like at this point, any gay guy lis- who's listening to this will be like, yeah, I've done it. It's not a big yeah, deal. Yeah, so do I. It's <laughs> <laughs> not even in the drawer. It's right next to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I don't keep anything around. Um, I buy what I need for whatever I'm doing, and that's about it. Yeah, same. Because then sometimes you end up transporting stuff via plane. Um, that we'll be editing out. We sh- yeah, 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 yeah. We should edit that out. <laughs> um, since we're editing that out, actually, a quick aside. I accidentally took Molly to back east. I accidentally did... flew with it. <laughs> Where was it? Was it in your carry-on or was it in your checked bag? It was in my checked bag. Oh, okay. They usually don't check. I mean, do they? They do. They go. They, 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 they open it. Oh, no, they okay. Don't open it. They was it was also, it like pill or was it powder? Pills. Okay. I've done the powder. Which I guess. Yeah, I have two. It. The powder is harder to get. Um. I can, also. I, I, I can. I can get it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. No, you know, I just I accidentally took it. <laughs> I was putting on my pants. And I felt something in my pocket, and I was like, "Oh, what's that?" I was like, "Oh, fuck!" I mean, it's a good thing that they didn't go through your bag that digital, that you know, that thorough. Yeah. Well, it was in a, it was in the pockets of um, a pair of my cargo pants. Okay. Yeah, um, that I had apparently worn out that weekend, (laughs) the weekend prior. Um, But uh, oh, also there was something else. Did I tell you I had punk? this came out. Did I tell you I had monkeypox? Uh, I saw your text. <laughs> yeah. How was that? Were you okay? Like, I mean, I, I assume you're okay now. I, it sort of scarred here. Okay. So, like, I didn't isolate, which is why I'm not, like, super sharing it. Yeah, yeah. Because my doctor was like, put a bandaid on over it. Like, just don't, like, it spread through, like, extended contacts. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't be like physically active with somebody but like you're fine yeah and i was able to pass it off as a cold sore it was you know but it was only it only showed up there i had one lesion here and one lesion on my leg okay and you had you had both vaccines or just the one at that at that point i the first lesion showed up the week after i got my second dose Mm, okay so i was exposed probably the weekend before i think i was exposed at Dolph. Got it. Okay. Um, which you know it happens. But, yeah. But now you're um, like super immune to it. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, honestly, like that happened, and then you know the guy like breaking my nose happened, and like it. Oh yeah, you never like, told me. Things. You never told me who that was. Well, you don't have to tell um, me. You don't have to tell me here, but like I remember you. You. You mentioned it. I think I saw it on... It was a friend of a friend of Drew's. Got it. Okay. I figured that was um, that might have been the case, yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the bright side, I'm getting my septum fixed. There you go. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would I would be in so much anxiety because I hate any needle, doctor, anything. Even when I had to go get my, like, my um, a cavity filled, I was, like, yeah. having an anxiety attack just because I don't like needles or I don't like, you know... Yeah, out. but for this year, they knock you out. You're not out of weight oh, okay. in any way, shape, or form. They 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 put the mask um, on. Yeah, 
Yeah, so if you want to get your nose fixed, if that was something you want, that you're interested in, I got a fist. <laughs> I, I'm okay. I, I'll stick to the nose that I have just because I, I, don't, I don't like any type of pain in general. Uh, yeah. Like, I passed out on my second monkeypox dose. Well, yeah, because shit fucking hurt. It did. <laughs> and it just, and it's I like think right it's here. still red. Yeah. No, yeah. My, I still have the little, the little, like, it's kind of gone now, but I still have that little bump. Yeah. Awful. No. Terrible. Never again. <laughs> who approved that? Um, Biden, I think. Or no, the CDC. I don't know who approved it, uh, but it was awful. And the fact terrible. that, and the fact that everyone was like, if you saw a person and you saw that they had that bump, they're like, yeah, he's gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, look, another homosexual. Yeah. Um, they figure, they've, like, acknowledged the fact that they're not going to get it under control, though. It's just basically, like, people just need to get vaccinated, right? At this it's point. just here, you know? And everyone is probably going to end up getting it again, just like COVID. Uh, <laughs> I can't do this again. <laughs> you believe I've had COVID four times? You know what? I can, and I only say this, is because I don't know what COVID strain happened after march 2020 because my roommate has had it three times at this point all friends yeah. and all of my friends have had it at least twice i had it once march 2020 and i haven't had it since i had it in february of 2020 you did okay actually no there's like a decent chance that i had it in january so actually let's go back on record we're gonna start editing this in because this has this is gonna tie back. Okay, perfect. Um, so um, I don't remember where we left off. Doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> um, we just cut a bunch of shit out. Um, yeah. Just yeah. FYI, yeah. we've been having a conversation, and COVID came up, and I'm able to tie this back to my story from earlier. Perfect. I got COVID from the guy who raped me. Oh shit! I'm so sorry that happened to you, but that's. <laughs> So he had COVID. Yeah, because he... So what had happened was, like, he drugged me. I didn't realize what had happened. I thought I had just, you know, G'd out. Yeah. I didn't realize until afterwards that he had given me a dose um, while I was passed out. I can you I was out, but I didn't quite know what the circumstances were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to my in my eyes, like, he was the one who sort of helped me out of it. Mm-hmm. And then somebody who was there messaged me later and, like, sort of told me what was happening. And then I started having flashbacks, Mm -hmm. which is, like, a really weird sort of situation. I was, I had these, like, dreams. I had, like, the sleep paralysis, and I could, like, I could hear things going on around me and, like, feel, like, the motion and stuff, but I wasn't able to react or move or anything. Yeah. And I was, like, I would try to scream for help, but nothing would come out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was sleeping. We were, like, sleeping after that, and he, like, really catching up the entire time. Actually, no, sleeping. I was not sleeping. I could not sleep. He was coughing the entire time. He had this, like, dry hack. And he didn't oh. know what it was. And he had... He was talking about having had a cold for the last couple of weeks. So then I got sick after that. Mm-hmm. With, like, similar symptoms. And then I tested positive for antibodies after that, like, mm-hmm. later on. Um, so, yeah. That's I got... crazy. <laughs> <laughs> But then that provided me with, like, some, like, you know, I, I broke lockdown rules mm-hmm. after, like, six months. After six months, and it became clear that we were coming out of it, like... I mean, it was 
I mean, tying it back to the topic of today of, of this episode, it's COVID was mentally draining. Yeah. So actually for me, so that happened in January of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then we locked down in March. Yeah. And by the time that we locked down, I had started partying again. And it was falling back into the same cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID was, in a lot of ways, for me personally, like a godsend. I It forced me to take a step back and not get back into the same cycle that I was... Yeah. You know, it, it really, like, it did help me sort of, like take a seat calm down and like okay let's take a look at my life let's see where things are at and how i got into the situation yeah um and then after a while it became more texting more texting um so you know but yeah COVID from the guy who raped me um uh but, uh, yeah, no. Anyway, on that note... <laughs> on, and on that note... <laughs> um, I don't even know where to go from there. That was... No, I think that was a... That was dark. a... That, no, I mean... <laughs> in general, I think it was a very... Uh, you know, it, I think it... I think it all ties back to... You know, how we as humans react to things that happen to us and 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 you know and how some of us have the tools to yeah work through it some of us might not have all the answers and it's important to one check in on yourself uh if you're feeling a certain way and and also to go to therapy you know and i will say like if you're in la or new york it doesn't matter about your insurance it doesn't matter like where you're at financially Mm -hmm. like there are always um, resources available to you, yeah. especially if you're LGBT, especially if you're queer. Mm-hmm. You know, there are always you know, those resources. In LA, you, I think, at any income level, you can um, get support for mental health. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's also obviously the center and you know, AHF, a lot of, like, queer-oriented organizations will at least help you get therapy. Um, And even if you're not, like, even if you're not, like, having any sort of, like, problems right now, I still... I'm a therapy pusher. (laughs) Everyone should be in therapy. It, you know, it... Even if it's just an hour a week where you can just like narcissistically mm-hmm. just talk about yourself, yeah, it it it's a release that you need that it's, I think it's, everyone needs. It's the perfect time to talk about you, you know. Yeah. It it, I think for me and you know, going back to everything we've discussed today, I wouldn't have been able to be so open about all of that had I not been able to reflect on it in therapy and figure out why I was doing the things that I was doing or why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. And I think when it comes to like the LGBTQ plus community specifically, you know, or the queer community, we are very resilient when it comes to who we are because of how we had to grow up. 
and I think for us, we take, you know, and maybe I might, it might have taken me a little longer to get there, but we take our mental health, for the most part, we all try to take our mental health very seriously because we don't want to be in that space that we were when we didn't have that type of help, when we were being bullied, when we were being made fun of, or whatever the case was. Yeah. And I think and our generation is breaking that cycle. Because how many yeah. kids now do you, do you see that are like, oh yeah, I'm in therapy and it's like not a big deal. Where for us, it was like, what? Like, you know? I, yeah. I mean, I remember in high school, a girl's therapist told her to ask me out and she told somebody else who told me and I was talking about it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, high school, we're gossiping about everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, the somebody else that I was talking to, like, sort of judged her for being in therapy. And I'm like, ah. Uh, yeah. And, like, I can't imagine that happening today. Mm-mm. Like, I, I can't imagine, you know, with how open everyone's become about their mental health and being in therapy. And, this, you know, it, we are breaking down a lot of barriers. But it's yeah. still, I do know people who are, like, you know, will tell me about, like, how they're feeling and, like, what they're going through, like, you know, they're not motivated to do anything and it's difficult for them to, like, get tasks done, blah, 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 and, like, those are, like, (laughs) basic signs of depression, dude. Like, yeah. And they'll be like, oh, no, I'm not depressed because I'm not sad. I'm like, okay, depression is not sadness. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Depression is not a bad mood. (laughs) Yeah. You're not feeling down. Like, it, yeah. you know, it, it is a disorder that, it, you know, impacts everybody differently in the same way. Like, you know, we all, you know, we think of depression as being, you know, just sad. We think of bipolar disorder as being Kanye. Mm-hmm. Um, we think of, you know, we think of a lot of mental health disorders fairly reductively and we don't. And in doing that, we do miss a lot of, like, the signs that we're going through something and we're, you know, and, you know, and these things are easily manageable, like, with therapy and with meds and mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. Also, do not go off your meds to feel, like, your true feelings because those true feelings are not your true feelings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what, I, that's what I've heard from friends of mine who who take medication. They tell me that. They're like, the moment you go off of them, it's... Yeah, Be- I I knew somebody in in college. He like broke up with somebody, and he was on meds, and was like, "Oh yeah, I went off my meds because I wanted to like really feel this." And I'm like, "Dude, no, go back on your meds." Yeah, that that's it's you're a, clearly not doing well. Yeah, it's like, dangerous. Get back on them. Yeah, you know, but my mom just started therapy as a sixty-one year old woman. My, you know, I, I've been trying to get my mom to go to therapy for years. Mm-hmm. Um, cause again, like these sort of like mental health problems do run in my family. Yeah. Um, I hope I'm not too sharing too much about her without her permission, but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. she had like a nervous breakdown in her twenties as well. Like, you know, I, I, and like, I do see certain behaviors from her where I'm like, maybe talking to somebody might benefit us. Yeah. Yeah. Because also, if you're not taking care of your own mental health, like, you're impacting people around you as well. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, for my mom, my my sister would call me. She's like, mom's crying. And I go, what happened? And she's like, nothing. She's just crying. And so I would call her. I'm like, hey, what's wrong? And she's like, I'm fine. 
And then I'm like, okay, but Melissa, my sister, I was like, she just called me and told me you were crying. And she's like, I was just feeling sad, but like, I'm over it. And I go, mom, that does, that's not normal. Why, why were you feeling sad? Why were you crying? Why were you feeling sad? She's like, oh, she's like, I'm just stressed. And I was like, about what? She's like, oh, she's like, I'm just your aunt and your grandma. And I was like, and I'm like, not prying her, but I'm like, okay, me having the tools that I have now, I'm like, okay, but why? Yeah. Like, tell me, like, I'm trying to, trying to get her to see, you know, what it is. Yeah. And she's like, oh, she's like, I don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, okay, but you should. And so me and my sister, my older sister, we got together and we were like, we need to push her to go to therapy. And for yeah. the longest time, she was like, no, 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 I don't need it. And I'm like, mom, you of all people need it the most, you know, because my yeah. mom was, my mom was, um, she was, uh, she wasn't sexually abused, but she was mistreated as a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, her mom didn't want her. So then she sent her to live with her grandma and then her grandma didn't want her and then she didn't have a father growing up so she has a lot of issues that my mom has never like my mom has a lot of issues that she's never actually worked through and so when I told her that I started therapy she called my sister and she goes I think your brother's suicidal and so my sister calls me and my sister goes are you okay and and I go yeah what's up she's like well mom told me you were you were in therapy I'm like yeah and she's like she thinks you're suicidal I'm like well no I'm just starting therapy because I want to like figure some shit out but like i'm not suicidal yeah but like but my mom had that idea that you're only in therapy if you're going through if you're having suicidal thoughts yeah so my mom i got her to go to therapy after an incident in Mm -hmm. europe okay and she found the therapist it wasn't the right fit for her Mm -hmm. And so she thinks that she doesn't need therapy because she didn't have anything to talk about with a therapist. And I'm like, maybe go find another one. Yeah. Which, tying back, like what I said earlier, like, mm-hmm. you know, your first therapist isn't always going to work out. Exactly. Sometimes you need to switch therapists. Sometimes you need to find another, like, there are different styles of therapy. There are different approaches. And then there's also just, like, the chemistry with the, certain people. Yeah. Where, like, my first therapist, like, his main thing was, like, okay, so what can you do to avoid this situation? I'm, like, I don't want to spend my life avoiding shit. Yeah. I, I'd rather be equipped with the tools to handle shit as it comes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because I'm not going to go live under a rock. Right. Like, um, shit's, shit's going to happen. You need to know how to how to deal with it in the best way possible and not run away from it. But for some people, that is, you know... Avoidance is a key because, like, you know, sometimes you're putting yourself in these situations. You are putting mm-hmm. yourself in these situations. Yeah. And, like, that's something that I'm starting to examine about myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I put myself in the situation where I was raped. And, like, I, you know, mm-hmm. hindsight, clarity, like, it was not a safe situation for me to be in, period. And it was a situation that I should not have put myself in. Right. And it doesn't excuse his actions. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I do need to start, like, analyzing like why i put myself in that situation yeah and like the same thing with like drew like i you know i'm not going to excuse his actions anymore than i'm going to try to excuse mine mm-hmm. anymore than i'm going to try to excuse anybody else's but you know why was i back in the situation that honestly like i knew it was toxic and i knew it wasn't going to work out and like there was a reason everybody when i got back with him after that month-long break we took everyone was like 
You sure about that? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, remember, think you I, were... remember, I remember when you told me, and I was trying to be as respectful as possible because I was like, I didn't want to be the per. You never want a friend to be like, what are you doing, man? Like, come on. Like, you know, like you want to let that person find their path, but also be like, hey, I'm here for you if you need anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just because because yeah. ultimately it's it's that person's decision. And if I don't know, I I was trying to be as careful and as uh, what's the word as empathetic and as, you know, kind when you told me that, I was like, okay. I was like, I'd, you know, I was, yeah. try, I was, I was trying to not make you feel like, oh shit, like, well, all my friends are telling me that I did the wrong thing. And well, now I feel like shit for, you know, because I'm maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Because. And you know. handled that well because you were also one of the first people that I talked to after mm-hmm. the fact, after he tried to kill me. Like, you were one of my, the people that I like immediately spoke to. Yeah. Um, you know, and that is, it's difficult to find the balance between like being like, you're being stupid and like making sure you're supporting your friends mm-hmm. and making sure that the fallout isn't making sure you can help mitigate the fallout when things yeah. end up going bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. Also like, please check in on your friends. Yes. It's very if somebody's important. <laughs> feeling something, if somebody's feeling something, they're not going to reach out to you. And it's like, it always sort of bothers me when like somebody calls themselves or something. And it's like, well, you should reach out. And, like, anybody, if you're feeling this way, like, please reach out. And, like, if you're in, from experience, like, if you're in that place, mm-hmm. you don't think anybody else cares. Exactly. You're at a point where you think nobody is going to care if you live or die. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you're not reaching out to people. And it's important, especially, like, if you know, like, friends have, like, sort of mental health problems. Yeah. Like, it's important to, like, you need to be the person to check in on them exactly you need to be the person making sure that they're not going to kill themselves yeah because at the end of the day again like if they're in that place they're not reaching out they don't think you care mm-hmm. and there's always signs too because you know your friend very you know your friends very well if there's any yeah. change of mood or like habit in them that's when you're like hey like i mean there are times where i just need a mental break from like group chats because my friends yeah. are like crazy with the group chats and so i'm like i need a mental break so i step back and my friends are really good at being like hey haven't heard from you from in a day or two just <sighs> checking in making sure you're okay and so like yeah. that that even if even if there might not be anything wrong with your friend if you sense a pattern of like okay they were texting a lot like the last week but now they're just gone completely silent or they've retracted yeah like hey are you okay like i'm seeing i'm sensing that you're not as you know as talkative or you're not as chatty or whatever the case is because that helps too it makes it makes that person feel like oh they actually care about me you know yeah i have like a couple of friends that i do that with i don't really think i have friends who do that with me mm-hmm. mostly because i um i was an only child mm-hmm. i'm very independent and so like me disappearing for a day or two mm-hmm. not uncommon <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> If I disappear for a day or two, I'm probably just, like, tired. I, I mean, for me, I feel like if I like if you post something on Twitter that I'm like, okay, let me text him. Because I, I, yeah. you posted things on Twitter before. I'm like, okay, let me make sure he's okay. You know? <laughs> so I text you. Because I know yeah. people tweet at you, and I'm like, I'm not going to tweet at him. I'm actually going to text him. Because, like, I feel yeah. like it's more personable when you Yeah, and you and I text. also, like, have, yeah. You and I also have, like, a 
bit more of an established relationship exactly. than a lot of people who are just yeah. applying. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, you know, I like, I don't have, you know, people who will like, if I disappear for a day or two, mm-hmm. like, I, nobody's coming to check on me. Because <laughs> I just, I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, my telltale sign that like, I'm going through it is if I'm not posting on social media. Yeah. That's when people, that's when people will check in on me. Mm-hmm. Where like, if I don't post for a few days or like even a story, mm-hmm. if I don't have an active story, people are concerned. <laughs> because <laughs> that's the thing it's like it's it's that's the habit that they're expecting of you right like it's like oh yeah. he's always post he's, he's always posting a story so like wait why didn't he post today you know what i mean like it's yeah. like it's like a pattern it's like a habit pa- habit or pattern or pattern of habit i don't know what the word is but that's 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 what they connect you with in terms of behavior so if that behavior changes then like wait what's going on why is this behavior changing yeah yeah and so but yeah, just like check in with people. I have friends I'll check in with, and typically I don't go in with like a "Hey, are you okay?" I'm just like, "Hey, what's up?" Mm-hmm. Haven't spoken in a minute. I miss you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then one person in particular, I'll say like "Hey, what's up?" and he immediately launches into blah blah da 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 because mm-hmm. he knows why I'm texting him mm-hmm. if it's been a minute. <laughs> and sometimes um, sometimes all it takes is just for you to be able to let it out, you know? Yeah. If it's in text and format like, or a phone call. And, like, I am the person that a lot of my friends do turn to, to like, for help or, like, you know, um, they'll text me, like, if they're having a problem or something. Like, or if they need to talk to somebody about something, which I enjoy occupying that space for people. Yeah. Because, like, I do know, like, how sort of, like, difficult a lot of what I've been through had, like, how, how difficult it was to get through a lot of the things that have happened. Yeah. I, you know, if I can help someone, if I can help prevent somebody from feeling, like, as, like, hopeless as I have in the past, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do that. As long as it's not, like, a, you only hit me up when you're having a problem kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like... If we're, like, actively friends in other spaces, come to me. I'm here. I'm your friend. Mm-hmm. And even if we don't interact, like, a whole lot, mm-hmm. like, if you need to talk to me about something, talk away. Like, you know, I'm here. Yeah. Just don't treat me like a therapist. I'm not your therapist. <laughs> like, go to therapy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny you say that because, um, for me, like, my roommate, she, she, you know she will talk my ear off and and i listen to her like i'm on like i'm here for you if you want to go over it and your roommate's a little cutie i saw i, I saw her uh, yesterday for the first time one of your pictures oh uh, yeah i think yeah. yeah or the other night she's adorable she is i love her she's lovely uh but you know i'm like the person we've you know we met when i first moved to new york she was my first roommate and we've been roommates since um and she'll have an issue and then i'm like okay talk your ear off to me but then sometimes like okay i don't know how to help you fix this so maybe you should talk to your therapist about this because (laughs) you know talk all you want talk your ear off but like some things i can't i wish i could help you with but i can't like i don't have the answer for you yeah my approach is always just sort of like trying to help reframe something Mm -hmm. and typically i'll be like are you in therapy (laughs) (laughs) are you talking to somebody about this yeah um but like you know, when people come to me with any anything, I'm honestly like good at 
building people up. Yeah. And sometimes people just need to vent. Sometimes, you know, like, they're just like, I just need to vent and I need someone to, like, just listen to me vent so I can get it out, you know? But this is where people have to be careful, though, because while it's fine to vent, you want to make sure that, you know, you're not over venting. Is that a word? Like, Like, where you're dumping everything on someone else and then now that person is carrying you know carrying that weight on them you know what i mean oh yeah no you have yeah. to be careful of that but yeah. um so i don't vent to my friends mm-hmm. typically for the most part i think i've vented to you a couple times yes but my like go-to like and this ties back to like people checking in mm-hmm. i have a couple of friends where like they know if i go off on these like weird tangents like today i was <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about the geopolitical dynamics of East Asia to my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, are you okay? Do we need to talk? (laughs) He's like... That's funny. I'm like, no, I don't think talking is going to help here. I just need the distraction. He's like, okay. Yeah. Rant on. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you just sometimes you just need the distraction, you know. And he was he was interested in it today. Um, I have a strangely deep knowledge of um, political relations in East Asia. I don't know why. I, I know nothing. I'm fascinated. Yeah, like the only th- like, well, I've always wanted. I and I know this is something I shouldn't do, but I've always been fat. Like the only thing I've been fascinated with. Uh, I mean, I want to visit one day, but. Uh, I've always been fascinated with North Korea and like how all of that works. And one day I was that like, that came up today. Yeah. And I was like, I want to go there. And then everyone's like, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, no, no. I just want to like experience like what everyone t- is talking about. Like, I'll, even yeah. though they would give me like a tour of something that's, you know, propaganda and it'd be like, we're okay. But it's like, I just want to see it for myself. I'm just so curious about it. Oh, see, I'm so. happy with the pictures. I'll go to Pyongyang after after it collapses. After they collapse, yeah. Well, you and I will go. We'll go. We'll go to Pyongyang. Let's go. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, no, like because we were talking, it came up. Sorry, quick tangent. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's fine. Um, the fact that like Japan, Korea, like South Korea and China all sort of hate each other. Mm-hmm. Um. And I was like, okay, well, like, the only one who can, like, really throw a stone right now is Korea, is South Korea, because South Korea has never invaded either of the other two, mm-hmm. but has been invaded by both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I was like, and I, if I was Korea, I would fucking blame Japan for North Korea, because North Korean dictatorship is very reminiscent of Imperial Japan. Mm-hmm. That cultural personality and that sort of, like, divine rights rule mm-hmm. is very Japanese. Okay. Um, which is something that I grapple with on a daily basis. <laughs> Not a daily basis. Um, nor do I grapple with it. Yeah. It is, like, a weird dynamic, because, like, you do feel the need to sort of atone for, like, your, you know, family's mm-hmm. past, but, it, you know, I can't go back and change it. I can, All I can do is be conscious of it and make sure that it's, like, not happening again and, like, be be aware of like what happened and like yeah. you know there's nothing that I can do especially from abroad yeah but, you know acknowledging is important acknowledgement of yeah totally wrongs. yeah 
Um, my roommate. Anyway, my roommate. Little quick tangent on that. Like, uh, my roommate is Chinese and Japanese, so anytime. Oh. She, yeah. So any. Oh no. Yeah. So anytime <laughs> she go, like her, her father's Chinese and her mother's Japanese. So anytime she goes to Asia, people like look at her weird because she's like, I feel like I'm not accepted in this space, and I'm not accepted in this space because I have the other half in me. Yeah. No. I mean, from like my. Experience like being mixed race,、mm-hmm. like I know, if I go visit Japan, I'll be fine.、Mm-hmm. If I was living in Japan, totally different story.、Mm-hmm. They're very xenophobic, and like I've spoken with a few other people about this.、Um, there was one lady that I met once, and she was、uh, Japanese and Korean,、mm-hmm. and she like just flat out said, "Korea doesn't want me, Japan doesn't want me, nobody wants me." <laughs> so here I am in LA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.、Um, Give me your tired. Give me your poor. Give me your what is that? That line of like. Unless in, you're brown.、Uh, <laughs> no, I mean seriously. I mean, you know how many times I've had, when I was younger, white men come up to me, asking me if um, if I had papers. You know how many times game white game men, on dating apps have asked me, how it felt to be part of DACA. Not that there's anything wrong with being part of DACA, but like they just assumed that I was part of DACA. You're not, right? No, 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 I'm not. Okay. No, no, no. no. <laughs> But I have, I have friends who are, and yeah. No, I came to the I, so I came to the U.S. when I was six, and my dad was already a citizen, so. You were wait. You're not from. I didn't know this about you. Yeah, I was born in Mexico, and I came to the U.S. when I was six. My dad had been before he met my mom. He'd been working in the U.S., and then when they met, he was kind of he was working in the U.S., but he was. Living in Mexico because Mexico and yeah, it's like very you know you can just basically cross and then you're Mexicali or Mexicali yeah、Park. that's where I'm、yeah. from Mexicali, yeah. Okay, so you're barely from Mexico. Yeah, yeah. You're you're <laughs> jump away from the U.S. Literally, yeah. And so I came to the U.S. when I was six, and my dad had already he was pretty much finalizing his citizenship at that time, and then、yeah. so when my mom basically my dad moved us. My dad was finalizing his citizenship. My mom and my mom and us, because we weren't born in the U.S. and my dad wasn't a citizenship yet, we became residents. And then,、yeah. and then my mom, because once my dad became a citizenship, my, then my mom had to. My mom applied for U.S. citizenship because my dad they were married. And then once my mom and my dad became citizens, we automatically became citizens because we were under eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting.、Mm-hmm. I I. I don't have any friends currently that are DACA.、Mm-hmm. To my knowledge, I don't. I don't make a habit of discussing people's immigration yeah, status. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I have. Unless a, I it have becomes friends. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it like comes up in conversation where it's like, it's a very specific circumstance where it's like, are you documented? I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, am like. And some of these... I feel like we need to have like a full-on conversation about this one day. Yeah.、Um, but like you know, to me, immigration is like our immigration process is dumb. It is. You know, I I could understand if there was a strain on resources, like、mm-hmm. wanting to limit the number of people immigrating. We don't have that strain on resources.、Mm-mm. We, if anything, we would economically benefit from more immigrants. Yep. <laughs> I don't understand how you can tell me you're capitalist and then also 
isolationist. Mm-hmm. I that that doesn't compute. Those don't add up. <laughs> yeah, it all. I mean, this is another conversation for another day. But it it, it all stems from like racism and, and viewing, because yeah, they don't have problem. They don't, yeah, they don't have problem with like people from Europe coming over. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Yeah, because so. like my whole thing is like, I don't care. Give everyone a green card. Mm-hmm. Just they're here. They're contributing to the economy. They're contributing to society. They're con- they're giving us some culture. White people. <laughs> Exactly. Start to use a little bit of culture. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but that's that's a topic for another day because I could I, I could just get I can just get into it, but I won't. We we, we share common um, <laughs> trepidation with white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do. Um, and yeah, which we will get into on another day because like day. people always say like, "Well, you're mostly white," and I'm like, "I know," but also I'm not white white. I'm, I'm, I can't trace my lineage in the U.S. Exactly. More than the longest lineage I can trace in the U.S. is actually my Japanese. Yeah. Everyone else is more recent. <laughs> I have a little Japanese in me. You have a little Japanese in you? Yeah. My great, great, great grandma from my grandma's side is Japanese. I love that. Yeah. So, like, and... So yeah, because I, when I see pictures of my grandma now, I'm like, wait, grandma was Asian. And then my dad's <laughs> like, no, she wasn't. I'm like, dad, look at grandma. And then you see it, like she has yeah. Asian in here. Obviously like not full Asian because she was like mixed with Mexican and I don't know yeah. what else, but like you can see it. But I mean, ethnicity in the new world, tracking your ethnicity and like having like an ethnic identity mm-hmm. is fucking dumb. Yeah. When, you know, your entire sort of society is built on colonization, nobody's anything. Exactly. Nobody's anything. Although you do, not to be (laughs) semi-problematic, you do have an interesting mix of features from different ethnicities. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I, I'm Mexican, I have Asian in me, I have Spaniard in me, and I don't know, I haven't done the 23 in me, but I'm sure I have something else. You you have European. You probably have some native. You probably mm-hmm. have some, you clearly have some Asian. Like you mm-hmm. probably have some Middle Eastern. It's just sort yeah. of, but that's sort of you know, it makes everything we think about in terms of like race and ethnicity kind of dumb. Yeah. Nothing. But, you know, there are very few places on earth that are like actually ethnically isolated. Yeah. When I go to Europe, though, I get hit in a lot because ethnic like, oh, especially in London. Every time I go to London, everyone's like all the boys are hitting me up just because they're like, oh, an ethnic person. <laughs> like, do you get that too? Okay. No, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, no, because there, there are a lot of people like me in London. Okay. Um, although what they do not get is a lot of, like, Latin Americans. Yeah, that's and that's I think that's why they're, like... So my cousin's ex is Mexican. Mm-hmm. And um, he happened to be there with her around the sa- at the same time that we were in London visiting some family... And so we all got dinner. My cousins got excited to meet a Mexican person because they had never met a Mexican person before. Oh my god, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and here I thought people didn't want us. <laughs> but it's just they in were the very US. <laughs> That's just in the US, you yeah. know, and in the UK they don't want Eastern Europeans and they don't want Middle Easterners. Oh wow. No racism exists wherever you go. The dynamics are always yeah. different because yeah. it's different unwanted groups, quote unquote. Yeah. Like, people in London, you know, 
I have friends in London telling me, like, we need to get our shit together in the U.S. I'm like, you need to get your shit together. Mm-hmm. London is the most overtly racist city I've ever been to, mm-hmm. which is a conversation for another time. Yes. But just because it's not against black people and just because you're not shooting black people, your cops aren't shooting black people, A, if your cops carried guns, they would be shooting black people. B, mm-hmm. think about the way that you treat Pakistanis. Think about, oh, and one yeah. of my friends who brought this up to me is Indian. I'm like, think about the way that people treat you. Mm-hmm. And tell me that you and tell me with a straight face, looking me dead in the eye, that you do not have a race problem. Yeah. That you do not have a problem with racism, because I have, as an outsider, witnessed like the most overt racism I've ever seen in my life in London. It's insane. And I've been to Chicago. I've been to Tennessee. <laughs> I've been to like the South. I've been to Oklahoma. Like, the most racism I've ever seen is in London. Yeah. And they're not. They're not subtle about it either. No. I mean, like, I'll be on a crowded train and, like, the only seat the only seat available is next to a woman with a burqa. Mm-hmm. Is that okay to say? Is that, a, is that the right term? It de- I think it Let's depends if she's wearing... face covering. Yeah. I think it depends if it's a, if it's a, if it's a hijab or a, bur- or a burqa just because they're different. But I don't know. I, I don't know what they're... I don't know the it, difference. I, yeah. They're just the modestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're wearing the veil. Um, yeah. If I was wrong, please correct me. Um, but, you know, they won't sit, they'll leave that seat empty. Mm-hmm. They will not sit next to somebody, next to her. And I'm like, yeah. really? Meanwhile, with me in New York, when I see, when I see uh, a Muslim woman or, you know, anyone that wears the veil and I'm always like, people sit next, people sit next to, to people, but I'm always like, I'm just waiting for that one tourist to start saying something so I can pop off. You know, because in, know. in New York, we're like, we're very protective of, of the people that live here, uh, specifically because it's a big city and it's like cultural and there's so many yeah. different cultures and, and religions that like New Yorkers might be rude, but at the end of the day, they'll stick up for one another if someone is being an asshole. <laughs> and that's the thing I love about yeah. New York, you know? And that's something that I try to do, like, in L.A. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I super see in L.A. because this is a city where people are worried about image and what people are thinking mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Um, but it is something that I do try to, uh, yeah. you know. Anyway, we are getting up close to three hours. We've totally lost our way. It's, it's okay. This will be split into two episodes. Yeah. It, it, was good com- it, was, also, it was a good conversation, nonetheless. Yes. <laughs> also, you do need to... I, I would like you to come back on and talk about some race stuff. Cause I, w- I would love to. I'd you love have to. some... You have some... I, I have a lot of experiences and I have a lot, <laughs> I have a lot of stories to tell. <laughs> because, like, I... You know, you have... You, you are... You're Mexican, mm-hmm. and you look Mexican. I am. I am. And your experience, you know, is shaped like that. I and I'm my ex- proud to be Mexican, just in case anyone yeah. <laughs> doesn't think I am. <laughs> I have it in my bio on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be proud of being Mexican. Yeah. But you know, for me, like as somebody who looks as white as I am and is mixed race, mm-hmm. you'd be shocked. Uh, the shit. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I can only imagine. Um, it's amazing what people feel comfortable saying to you when they think you're white. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's amazing that, like, that one guy that was, like, when I went to talk, I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about, he's like, oh, what made you run for the border? And then I was like, excuse me? And then he goes, oh, that's the slogan for Taco Bell. So I looked it up, and I was like, 
Yeah, in 1992, they got rid of it because it was racist. Like, what made you think I that was okay gasped. to say to me? Like, what made you think that was you okay to say to me? Tr- <laughs> like, yeah. I don't understand. You tweeted that. I did. <laughs> I don't know if it was public or to your circle. Uh, I didn't I, know it was public. It was public, yeah. I audibly gasped. <laughs> I was like, and then I texted you. I was like, what the fuck does this mean? What is happening here? And then I told you, I was like, this is what, it, this is what happened. <laughs> You're like, oh, no. <laughs> but, um, no, I think we, we need to come on here and talk yes, about our experiences. Yes, we do. Because it is, it's wild living in America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not being fully white. Yeah. On my part, or just not being white on your yeah. part. Yeah. There's so much to unpack there, but we'll save it. Yeah. For, we'll save it for next time. <laughs> but anyway, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I really, actually, I really enjoyed doing this. <laughs> I did too. Um, I miss you. I miss you. Need you. To visit LA. Yes, I'm coming. And... Like, I'm on a world tour or something. I'm coming in December, and I think I'm going to come for two weeks. So. Okay, good. We'll find a party. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll work it out. Yes. Um, yes. And I also need to go to New York. I can't keep putting the onus on others visiting me. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Whenever, you're, whenever you can, you have a place to stay here. If you want your own Thank place, you. more than welcome. <laughs> you know, do whatever you want. I'm yeah. just saying you have, you have a spot here. If you, you know, hotels are Thank a little you. expensive here. So. Yeah, no, I... Although I do tend to find good deals on hotels. Also, last time I went there, I accidentally booked an extra night and they upgraded us to a suite. Nice. And the suite had a Pepto-Bismol pink couch. Oh, I love Uh. that. The photo shoots you could do with that. The photo shoots you could do with that. (laughs) It was a nice hotel, but also just like stuck in the 80s. Anyway. But yeah, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having um, me. And thank you to everyone for listening. And... This will be split into two parts, probably. So, if you hear if you heard a weird sort of outro for me in the last episode, this is why. Uh, <laughs> exactly. If you hear me cut in with a completely different sound setup, yeah. this is where we're at. Exactly. <laughs> All, right, All right. Well, thank you, and thank, thank you for listening. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right.